Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back for the 10th and final time and the lead up to the 2023 Academy Awards as we're looking at the final Best Picture nominated film, a movie that we covered many, many months ago uh, in a review, and now we get to cover again many, many months later in a review. Uh, We're talking about Elvis, the great Australian film of the great Australian (laughs) singer, Elvis Presley. (laughs) Oh, mate. With everybody's favorite Australian accent from Austin Butler. <laughs> Just stop it, Austin. It's not your accent. You're not Elvis. Stop being Elvis. We we're talking about Tropic Thunder in the office today, so I may as well impersonate that. But shut up, Austin. Stop it. Oh, he, he went full Elvis on this one. Oh, uh, and he's still going go full, full Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this is uh, this is exciting because we get to recover a movie that I have some new thoughts on. Um, that I'm excited to discuss because I rewatched this one and um, sure, I think you did too. So uh, this will be at least 75% new content here. And we're also going to look at predictions for everything else. Uh, my name is Colin and I don't need no pink Cadillac. And my name is Ben and I am the man who gave the world Noah Groves. You're the one to blame. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Send your world. hate messages to Ben Waterworth, courtesy of the Oz Network. And oh, sorry, courtesy of the Qualifying Lap. Yes, exactly. And your Oz Vision. Good for Noah, by the way, biking around Korea at the moment. Um, <laughs> he really can't get a date. He's getting on a bike. So really can't him. get a flight out of Korea. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go. <laughs> what bike am I going to do now? I'm going to bike around the country I was already in. Yep. You go, Noah. But anyway, um, I'm sure he's seen Elvis. What a segue that was. Oh, great segue. Uh, and Noah, what did you think about Elvis? Um, <laughs> it's the first I we don't have a Noah clip, though. Do we? we do have a Noah clip, but it'll probably get him in trouble. Um, it'll get him in, no, it'll get you in trouble. I, I have ones that are funny on 007. I don't know if they have the quite <laughs> same target audience here on this sophisticated Oz network. Um, that's, that lowbrow humor for the James Bond fans, Colin. <laughs> uh yeah so elvis um i i saw this movie you saw this movie right as soon as it came out and um i i wanted to wait until before we covered it to uh to re-watch it literally came down to the wire i finished this one uh yesterday and um i mean when i say i have some new opinions on it i'm happy to say they're not bad opinions in fact they're probably slightly improved opinions uh which is unusual because I really do hate biopics now. <laughs> and uh, I, I think my biggest worry, though, is if Austin Butler wins, does it just mean we're going to get a new biopic every year getting awarded the best uh, actor or best actress? Because that seems to be the trend. Uh, but uh, this is the one time where I think it's really deserved. And 
I think my my strangest takeaway from watching it this time is how inaccurate this movie is to real life and how much better this movie is for not trying to follow a real story and for taking some dramatic liberties with it. I mean, you read just the tiniest bit of history on it, you're like, well, that never happened, and this never happened, and this definitely they they glossed over when maybe they could have gone a little bit further into it. But that makes this a better movie because it makes me appreciate Baz Luhrmann just saying, I'm going to take this real character, I'm going to take real events, but put my own dramatic spin on it because I want to make a good movie. I don't want to just make, uh, let's check the boxes of how this song was written and how this you know uh, bomb happened and how uh, this fight happened on stage and all that. He's like, I want to make an entertaining movie. And even the tone of this movie is basically telling you, don't take this movie as fact, take it as entertainment. And I love it so much more for that. Yeah, first man. Um... <laughs> I know you're probably going to go into Bohemian Rhapsody or something else, but I'm saying, yeah, first, man. Why didn't you make Neil Armstrong, like, be stalked by Tom Hanks and get contained to an Elvis, uh, an Elvis, a, a Vegas <laughs> casino instead of going to the moon? Um, no, I completely agree, and, and I am the same. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this on a rewatch, and I've always liked Elvis. He's never been like my number one person, but I've always enjoyed some of his music and he's kind of has always been interesting, kind of that celebrity. I mean, Elvis and the Beatles have always kind of fascinated me, that level of celebrity and sort of fame that they had. And and I mean, they're still to this day, the two highest selling musical acts of, of all time. So I think it's kind not of... Madonna. She's the highest selling female artist of all time, Colin, but uh, let's not start that again. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating, but I mean, it's, I remember when they announced this film that Baz Luhrmann was going to be doing an Elvis biopic. And you, I think as soon as you hear those words, you're kind of like, this is going to be a different film. Like you just, you don't imagine Baz Luhrmann just going to do your standard stock biopic that everybody seems to be doing. And I think that kind of just, it works for someone like Elvis. I mean, for fuck's sake, you have Eminem rapping an Elvis song at the end of this movie that you hear it sampled in the movie itself. Like, I mean, who in their right mind would think that you could mix Eminem and Elvis and it's going to work. So yeah, it's fun. I I mean, this is the thing with like biopics or based on true stories. Like, yeah, you can get the groundwork and everything out there, but you can have fun. I mean, cool runnings is one of my favorite movies and it's, very loosely based on a true story. And look at the Jamaican bobsled team, one of the most famous winter sporting teams in the world. I mean, 95% of that movie is bullshit. We talked about that several years ago, like pretty much didn't happen how it happened, but it's still entertaining as fuck. This movie, I mean, again, I, I'm probably a bit more accurate than Cool Runnings, but it's still just fun and it's it entertaining and it's bright and it's flashy and it gets you into the music and just the character of Elvis is great. Austin Butler is fantastic. And again, if props to Brendan Fraser doesn't win, then I'm going to be glad if Austin, well, maybe not glad, but I'll be happier than other people would win this. Well, let's take away from the other people. The point is, if Brendan doesn't win and he loses Austin, I'll get over it in a couple of weeks. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could get over that. Uh, but props way, to Brendan. Uh, We've got lots of props to in this yeah. episode. It's our last chance to prop him up. Uh, you know, well, we're going to go through all the categories. Uh, best costume designer. Props to Brendan Fraser. Um, but you might not win. Um, yeah, like I agree with you. I think that uh, this movie is a Baz Luhrmann movie. And that's what really sets it apart. Because I tried to dissect 
what did they do differently in this from what doesn't work on other biopics? You know, I think one of the biggest issues that most biopics make is they just end up making a movie about the person and it covers so much of a career or so much of a person's life that you would never tell a real story like that. Like, let's tell Bohemian Rhapsody over 20 years. Let's tell the the, oh, the one last year that Jessica Chastain won Best Actress for, the, the Tammy Baker one. Let's tell that over like 30 years. And it's like, you wouldn't tell a normal story over that long of a period of time because there isn't a story to tell. It's just events in a life. This movie does it over, what, 15, 16, 17 years? Um, I think technically if you go up to his death, you're looking at 20 years that this covers. Uh, but it works because they break it down into this three-act structure where you're focused on maybe uh, one or two individual events during that time. And you're seeing, I guess, the the progression of this character in such a rapid way, whereas normally it would be done more subtly. Uh, so it feels like it's a lot longer in other movies. And in this one, it's like, okay, you get the young Elvis, and all of a sudden you're you're jumping forward and you get the the jaded, washed up Elvis. And then you're jumping forward and you get the the messed up, jumped out of his mind, fat Elvis. Um, what'd you say? Fat Elvis. Fails? Fat, fat. Like, fat, boo, boo, boo. Oh, fat Elvis, yeah. Fat Elvis, yes. You get the fat Elvis stuff. So he just picked these individual moments to center each act around. So even though you get maybe a couple montages here and there, it's like, look at all the movies he made and look at all the, the concerts he did. You know, you, you're, you're jumping forward to these important moments. And Baz Luhrmann is putting his style so much on this movie that you feel like if he had written a fiction, this, this is what I always come down to, all the, the biopics that don't work is, if you were to have made a fictional movie, if nobody knew Elvis existed, would you still be this impressed with this movie? And I feel like Baz Luhrmann deciding to make a movie about a fictional singer named uh, Pelvis Esley <laughs> turns out exactly like this movie. I feel like he he had a goal, the movie he wanted to make, and it just happened to fit that there was a guy named Elvis that could pigeonhole into this film. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm definitely not you when it comes to being down on biopics as much and and I get it like I, it's a great thing to say like if if this was just a movie about pelvis esley or whatever it is like you know I, I understand that but I don't mind just a, like I I love Bohemian Rhapsody I will admit that to the cows come home I loved that film I think it was a fantastic film and I think that for the most part biopics you know they serve their purpose they they cover the bases and you know, sometimes you just need a TLC story on whatever it is and, and that every now and then. I, I enjoy those. But I think the issue comes from certain ones where you'll have, you know, you make a biopic on, I mean, who's, what was that Kevin Spacey when you always talk about? I, uh, yeah, on the sea. Yeah, I don't necessarily know much about that person in real life. Um, the Howard Hughes. I didn't really know who Howard Hughes was, if I'm being completely honest, before The Aviator. I've never seen The Aviator, but like as in I heard a lot about him when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Ray Charles, heard of him, maybe not overly familiar with him before Ray. So like you've got this level of some people who are somewhat famous and then they make a film about them and they become much more of like, oh, this is really interesting. I want to learn more about this versus a Freddie Mercury or an Elvis who are such a pop icon they're so prominent that you're always going to have a level of excitement around it and there's going to be question about it. I mean, it's time of recording this, they've announced they're making a Michael Jackson one. And Michael Jackson's like, I mean, that's going to be like, that. that's always, that and Madonna are the two that I would most want to see in my lifetime. We know Madonna's directing her own, which is fucking fantastic and it's such a Madonna thing to do and I love every second of that. But like, the fact is, the matter is that like, they will be the ones that I would watch. A Michael Schumacher one, if that ever happened, but it's not going to happen. 
so like, and they're the ones to me where I'm going to be excited no matter what, and hopefully they'll be good films. But I think with Elvis, I mean, he's such an icon that, you know, no matter what you do with this, whether you do a Baz Luhrmann style film like this, you do a true biopic of his point A, this is how he discovered a guitar and this is what he did. And oh, look, he's fat now and he's having a heart attack on the toilet. Like things like that. Like you're always going to have your, your fans and what, like, I don't know. I think Baz Luhrmann to me is a, is a perfect person to do a film about fucking Elvis. Like it just, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, I mean, Baz yeah. Luhrmann's not going to do a, a one on, I, I don't know who's a, a Shirley Bassey. Uh, I can't press the button. <laughs> well, I could actually, but like, I mean, I, Shirley Bassey's got like, she's proper. She's Welsh. Like she, you know, she's regal. Whereas like, you know, Elvis is a bit flamboyant and Elvisy and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's a flamboyance and it's the larger than life part yeah, larger that Baz Luhrmann really. Yeah, and I think that's one of the other things that sets this movie and Elvis apart from all those other biopics is that he he kind of was this character. It's not like Elvis decided when I get on stage, I'm going to be this guy. I mean, there are moments in that movie, particularly with like him and Priscilla in the third act where she's like, you know, why is it? No, why <laughs> is Colin's it? dying here. Why is Colin dying? It's been... It's only been 24 hours. How could I have gotten this sick in 24 hours? Um, but uh, yeah, you, you obviously have those scenes where she's like, hey, you're you're only yourself on stage. But but that kind of the point is that he's he's only himself on stage because he's so drugged out the rest of the time. But he is this larger than life personality, you know? And when you get a Freddie Mercury where, I mean, he obviously had this big persona, but then his real life, was not that interesting. And so the fake drama they created for the movie that never happened, it's like, yeah, but this isn't even what really happened. You get, you know, one like uh, the the Ray Charles one where it's like, wow, he was definitely a big personality, but it, the, the appeal that was more, oh, this is different than the Ray Charles we thought. We didn't realize that he was maybe this messed up or the Johnny Cash one. Yeah, you know? I was going like, to say, walk the line, yeah. Yeah, like th- those are all scenarios where, it's it's more about what's different with the character outside the stage persona. But whether this is the real fact or not, I mean, Baz Luhrmann presents Elvis as one character. I mean, I think that's where Austin Butler had more of a challenge than these other people like Jess Chastain last year, who did a great impression of a very famous person, or Rami Malek, who did a great impression of a very famous person. Or I'll even say, like, Jamie Foxx, who did a great impression of a real person, is that Austin Butler had to play this character 24-7. He had to... That's why still, he still fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> if he, but, like, but if he doesn't win... like uh, If he wins the Oscar, I just want to get on stage and be like, oh, hello, I'm Austin Butler. I'm so glad to be back to my normal self. Yeah. I want it so uh, I can go back to being Austin. It's one for Austin Butler, two for my next movie. I want Brendan Fraser to get up on stage and be like, ho, 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 hey, 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 I'm Brendan. <laughs> hey, baby. If he wins... I'm living the, living the building. I'm Brendan Fraser. Oh, ho, ho. That, that's what's going to give him the, at this point, that's what the Academy wants. So the only way Brendan Fraser is going to actually win an Oscar, if he full-fledged commits to being fat, if he shows fat up Elvis. 600 pounds for the ceremony, he wins the Oscar. Fat Elvis. He can say, hey, 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 oh, Brendan has left the building. Hey, hey, hey. I can't do an Elvis. Sounds like Fat Albert. <laughs> fat Albert. Fat, fat Elvis. He's Fat Albert. Hey, I'm Fat Albert Elvis. <laughs> but I mean, the point being is that what, what I appreciate about Austin Butler is that he he's playing one character. He's not allowed these scenes where he's like, oh, I get to be this guy and then I have to put on the stage presence. Like he had to find a way to connect that stage presence with the private scene sitting around the house or, mm. you know, flirting with Priscilla or all, all those things or negotiating with the colonel. Um, and I'm, 
I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, it's more difficult if you have to play two characters. And I don't think that's the case. I think that he, he had to commit to tying these private parts and the, the public parts of Elvis together. And whether that was a real case or not, I don't know. But I think that that's one of the things that works in this movie is that this is presenting one guy and I, all, all the props to Baz Luhrmann and Austin Butler figuring out how to pull that up where other biopics couldn't. And also props to Brendan Fraser for pulling that off because I'm sure oh. he had a part in it. Well, I just thought you were talking a little bit there about tying private parts up and then props to Brendan Fraser. So, um, <laughs> you know, why not? Um, yeah, like I think, you know, again, I know you're always critical about the just impression of a person, you know, what extra bits does it, add to it I, I mean i always bring this movie up and we're gonna have to cover it one day because i know you've never seen it it's it just w george bush josh brolin playing george w bush i mean yeah okay he's doing a very good impression of george w bush but there's extra bits to that storyline sort of like his i guess rivalry or sort of whatever with his own father although i would say james cromwell is a terrible george h bush i don't know why they cast him as george bush singing he's he got to stop playing people's fathers doesn't look just anything to, like just him. stick to farming yeah, <laughs> that'll mean, be good. I mean, what's his face? Freaking Philip. At least Prince Philip, he kind of slightly looked a little bit like the, you know, but anyway. But like, I just think like with that character, like you, you sympathize with George W. Bush. You, you kind of see a lot of his, you know, alcoholic days and meeting Laura and all that kind of stuff. I, I, just watch it. Great movie. Um, But like, I think with this, I mean, this whole movie, as much as it's about his career and Elvis and everything, like, all of that, I feel, just gets glossed over. Like, I, one thing that I remember seeing this movie at the cinemas, it's just kind of that quick, because you're expecting it to be like a biopic. You're expecting it to be like Bohemian Rhapsody. This is how Bohemian Rhapsody came about. Oh, no one's going to bang their heads in a car to that. And, oh, here's the drum bass to another one. But it's like little moments oh, like that. Oh, that was the worst scene Oh, ever. shut up. It's a great movie. <laughs> but, like, this one, basically, like, it goes so quickly. It's kind of like, yeah. Elvis is at a fair. Boom, he's rich and famous. Here's some merchandise. Because this movie is about his relationship with Colonel, the Colonel, right? So, and like, yeah. again, that's been accentuated. It's sort of been exaggerated and all that kind of stuff. But again, similar to Cool Runnings, there is some truth to it in a way. It's not like mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann's just gone, hmm, Tom Hanks can play a weirdly accented European guy and I'm going to pretend that that is his agent. <laughs> you know, like that is like, they've literally gone out. Like I just watched the entire, the Dharma series, or the Netflix, um, American, whatever it's called. And monster, thank you. Um, and like there are characters in that which you watch it and you think to yourself, well, this is based on a real person, but it's like it's a combination of like three different people that they've kind of just, you know, Ryan Murphy's just gone, okay, well, we're not going to have three different people, let's combine it into one. And so like amalgamated, yeah, yeah. So Baz Luhrmann here has just kind of taken this character who, yeah, had some issues around management and kind of made him into this flamboyantly weird accent. I want Tom Hanks to keep this accent, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'd like just kind of make it again. It's a movie for drama. Like we saw firsthand with first man, when you literally kind of take something verbatim of a boring person, um, you sit there for like four hours, wait to watch him walk on the moon. And then literally you walk out of that, like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. We landed on the moon. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I'm going around. The, the, The point is, is like, you know, I think that it, it's done in a way you're right. Like it's kind of, it's adding different layers to it. It's a, it's a movie about Elvis with the Colonel, but it's, it's just fun. Again, like as I said, you freaking got Eminem rapping in an Elvis movie. Like we didn't have Eminem rapping on Bohemian Rhapsody. Like Baz Luhrmann's just gone, fuck it. We're getting Eminem. And I'm like, all right, well, let's get Eminem. Um, that, I love that those are the different flavors of the, the M&M original, M&M peanuts, and M&M <laughs> Elvis now. He famously rapped in his, um, what was it? It was in Without Me, wasn't it? When he raps, like, 
Uh, he rapped about Elvis Presley. Like, I oh am, yeah, like the most controversial thing since Elvis. And the most or whatever, controversial yeah. since Elvis Presley. And I remember, like, I think seeing an interview back with Eminem back in the day, and he was kind of like, I'm like, well, yeah, Elvis was fucking controversial back in the fifties. Like, yeah. I'm super. He was freaking Ed Sullivan yeah. show when he wagged. I mean, there was some truth to what you see in this movie about how he's like moving his hips, like in the fifties. Like, oh, Mildred, cover oh, yeah. your eyes. That was, well, I, I think, hugely controversial. We, we talked about that, I think, in our original review yeah. was like, that's something that's lost on people now, the same way that when they make the Britney Spears biopic, I don't know, 20 years from now, people are not going to realize how controversial it was for her, you know, oh. a teenage girl to be in a girl girl out there. Oh. Um, you know, oh. yeah, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the day Ben hit but, puberty. <laughs> but like, there, there's things that change like that over time. And I mean, we're so far removed from that, that like, that was such a big deal. And yeah. the, the whole new Elvis thing in this movie, I kind of want to run through some of the inaccuracies and how this movie actually took inaccuracies and made it for a good movie. But like the whole new Elvis thing was hundred percent real. Like it was that controversial that people were banning him everywhere. And because so much money had been invested in, we want to take this national. I mean, this is during a time period where there wasn't exactly like a lot of national exposure, you know, music was more of a regional thing. You know, you had your success and then maybe you expanded, but for somebody to say, we're going to take you national. I mean, we'll get into kind of the, the deal that Colonel Parker has and, you know, whether he deserved as much money as he did, I don't know, but did he deserve more than your standard manager? Probably because he, he took this guy global when he, it should have just been going national is impossible, but you have to worry about, well, these places are going to worry about this. So we have to tailor for that. And then let's give them the new Elvis so that we quiet them down. And then when you go here, it can be this. I mean, that was a real thing. And you know, the, the whole singing to the hound dog. And it was an embarrassment. Uh, I, I guess the first inaccuracy that I found with this movie was uh, the whole performing at the fair and you're going to be arrested and all that. Apparently, the real story was that that did happen after the appearance on um, whatever show it was, the Steve Allen show or whatever. Uh, and it was a lot more toned down. Like basically the, the reviews of that performance said it was kind of a cross between classic Elvis and new Elvis. Like they were still playing up a little bit to let's not go too crazy on the hip thrust. So there was no riots or anything like that. And Elvis disobeying all the management, but the impact that scene has of this was the controversy. Let's show this guy being a rebel. Yeah. That, that really works in a movie like this. And, and, it, it it has a way of condensing everything else. So you don't have to go from this performance and this performance and this performance. I mean, how do you take a two hour and 40 minute movie and avoid making a five hour movie? Well, you, you condense it in that. And it's also presented in a way where it almost looks a bit cartoony. You know, it, it's almost like there's no way this could have actually happened, but it has such a visual impact in the movie that like, I, I think, more than any scene in this movie, that's the one scene where I will always go back to and be like, should this movie have been nominated for Best Picture? Should Austin Butler have been nominated for Best Actor for simply singing, performing, and doing an impression? And that scene is why you should. If they had done the real version of that, it's not that interesting. But Baz Luhrmann made it bigger than life and, and fictionalized it in a way that actually works. And I think it's you've got to do it in that way, I guess, for modern audiences to kind of understand it because it is important to understand how something like that, you know, 70 years on, 60 years on seems so silly in retrospect mm -hmm. that that was so controversial, but this was the birth of rock and roll. I mean, you, yeah. you look at the trends in music and what's been deemed controversial. I mean, 
you'd say arguably was rap music that came about what like sort of the 80s it was maybe the last big thing that was sort of you know and a bit controversial and still kind of has its sort of its pockets of whether it's good or bad and all that sort of stuff but i mean to have rock and roll the way it was you know people like chuck berry and all those kind of people that came out and pioneered it like go back and listen to what music was before rock and roll and understand yeah. what a big significant change that was and to have someone this sort of like I, I, the thing that i love and this isn't a spoiler i mean it sort of is in the trailer was the bit when he's singing and you got those girls all of a sudden screaming and kind of that oh, level yeah. because orgasming like i mean i saw the backstreet boys like five days ago and like you think about that like that's what was ben's reaction i was i I was in the front row screaming like you know that's kind of reaction and it wasn't the backstreet boys you pine out with boy bands you kids on the block all those kind of people that you see Beatles, kind of the original but that's what i was going to say like kind of you had that period where it was elvis and the Beatles who kind of had this level of what we are so used to today in certain levels Mm -hmm. i mean fucking Harry Styles was just here in Australia and selling out everything and Ed Sheeran got like 110,000 people at the MCG and all these kind of... that we're just used to. But this wasn't a thing back then. So I think what Baz Luhrmann does is like you like... I, I love that baseball stadium scene. I think it's fantastic. But I fucking... Like I love that that bit, that opening bit when it's in the trailer when you've just got those yeah. girls starting to scream and you've kind of got that initial reaction of like those girls who just can't control it. Like you just... Mm-hmm. We're men. We're men. And like, I mean, I love Madonna, but I've been to Madonna concert, but I'm not there screaming. Ah, it's Madonna! Like, ah! I'm not that like intense. And I don't know if as straight males, we can fully understand that reaction that yeah. Jamie has every time she sees a shirtless man or that sort of stuff, where you're <laughs> so giddy and so overwhelmed by whatever that is. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that really betrays it well. And I mean, I, I I said it last year when I saw this movie. That was what yeah, like July, August, and I straight away was like, Austin Butler's amazing, you know, best best actor right away. Um, and I'm as I said, I think in some of our other reviews during this period, I'm I'm glad this has kind of lasted and had the legs to still be in the race to be nominated for best picture. Obviously, we'll talk about what it probably can and can't win, but I mean, again, I I don't want to jinx this. Brendan's gonna win, but again. If he doesn't win, <laughs> my next pick, <laughs> as much as I love Colin Farrell in, in Banshees of Ed Sheeran, I, I would have Austin as my my next best because I think he is fantastic in this movie. Yeah, the comparison you had to hip hop is actually really interesting because I'm watching this documentary series on Netflix right now, The History of Hip Hop. And it's interesting, there, there's, I don't know, 20 episodes of this or whatever. And every time you're going through an episode, it's like, oh yeah, this person was huge. They sold millions, but like they never got played on the radio, you know, mm. like, like, nwa and wu-tang clan and nos you know like these are people who would sell millions and millions of copies of albums but like you couldn't get that mainstream exposure and then even when you got the mainstream exposure it was like puff daddy and mc hammer it was the clean stuff and it really took probably 20 years before what what i guess would be considered you know traditional hip-hop edgier and everything was able to become mainstream and i mean elvis found a way to break it through overnight that's what's so interesting about his legs why that why this movie takes those liberties of it just <coughs> kills me it, it kills it me. kills colin the liberties <laughs> it takes yes but but like that those uh early fair scenes where you just see that explosion of the women overnight being like ah like this movie doesn't waste time in saying he built his career they jump ahead to he's the biggest star in the world all of a sudden yeah because that's kind of in comparison how it happened it wasn't like you had elvis the pioneer and then the next guy followed up and then you had the Beatles, you know, seven years later. I mean, how unusual it is to have an artist 
introduce a new style of music that is scary for for all people even these young girls it's still like that's that's the way it's presented like i've never seen anything like this i don't know what to feel you know and i think the, the colonel even has a line like that that never happens any other any other genre music movies you never have just that overnight there is an instant cultural shift and i don't think we ever will have that again i mean you yeah besides i mean this back to eminem but i mean that was a cultural shift on the fact that you had a a mainstream white rapper um it's mm-hmm. not vanilla ice <laughs> that well exactly because i mean you know he was kind of a, a douche but i don't think you i mean obviously music trends come and go um you know you can go through any era of music and you can hear what was in what was out all those kind of things um but it's sort of there are always specific genres of music that are not going to be mainstream but will have their moment in the sun and yeah. I think the difference with rock and roll when that came about is that has influenced popular music beyond anything else in the history of music because with that wave of, of Elvis and all those people you had in the 50s and then the Beatles and everything that came from that, we wouldn't have the majority of what we have today on the radio based on what that brought out. Otherwise, we'd be still listening to Bing Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald. And there's anything wrong with that, but like it's just kind of like that's kind of Shirley how it Bassey. went. Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. But, but then you still will have those moments where it's kind of like rap will break into the mainstream. You'll get a bit of metal, you know, I'm a dance music fan, so you're going to have that dance and that, they'll, they'll come and go. But rock is the mainstream always. Rock and pop. You know, pop is such mm-hmm. a loose term because it literally is short for popular music. But like kind of that mainstream radio friendly, which is always going to be there no matter what, is going to be rock and pop. And Elvis is right there front and center of that. Uh, you know, he wasn't the first. It's not to take away from all the, the pioneers that came before Elvis, but he was probably the one that really just jettisoned and with those reactions that we saw. And I mean, I've seen the Backstreet Boys the other day. They wouldn't be there if it wasn't for someone like Elvis or the Beatles, you know, back back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Um, a couple other, the, I guess, inaccuracies I want to go through and again, how much better this movie Priscilla is. Priscilla was not with- legal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 I was going to say that's, I, well, that, that's not necessarily an inaccuracy, but it is like, that is a very glaring omission, you know, like yeah. this movie was... How do they get away with that in today's day and age? Uh, like, and Baz Luhrmann took, it took some care in hiding certain things. Mm. Um, but I think where, where I think Priscilla has even come out since this movie came out. And this movie is a little bit of a, uh, a smear campaign against the Colonel. Um, I, even Baz Luhrmann has been like, I think he, he referred to that as a psychopath or something like that. But like, but Priscilla in the media promoting this film has basically defended the Colonel and say, yeah, you know what? He wasn't all bad. There was a lot of good this guy did. And she's kind of the reason why I think that's, that's one thing where this movie, if you were telling the real story, it almost would have made it more interesting because if you want to talk about controversies and everything, I mean, the biggest controversy Elvis could have ever faced was he not only started dating some 14 year old girl overseas. He moved her as an underage kid into his mansion in America, lived with her, slept with her. And the Colonel basically saved him and said, listen, this story's going to get out, get ahead of it, marry her. And the reason that Priscilla is still around to this day, I'm not saying she would have been dead, but the reason that people know who she is and respect her and even respect Elvis is because the Colonel said, listen, you have to make this right. You got to avoid a controversy that will kill your career. And, Another biopic that actually kind of did it right was, um, uh, it's an older one, but uh, Dennis Quaid, when he played Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire, that was a guy whose career was destroyed by 
marrying an underage girl. Now, of course, that underage girl was his cousin, but that wasn't exactly uncommon yeah. at the time. You Tasmanian, know? good to know. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, that destroyed, at the same time period, destroyed the career of the guy who was the next Elvis, who in some ways, I guess, for a brief time period, was even bigger than Elvis. And he was dead almost overnight. Mm. And the colonel basically saved Elvis from that. Elvis's legacy lived on because of that. Now, if you tell that story, that's very interesting dramatically, but does it make for a good movie? You know, they, they, I don't feel like you needed to focus on the relationship with Priscilla. And if you had portrayed the colonel in that positive way, you don't have a villain for this movie. You don't have somebody to root against. You don't have that guy tw twirling his mustache behind the scenes, writing these contracts and everything against Elvis's wishes. And this everything else that happens after this, the, uh, the, 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 the Christmas performance, which again, real history was the Colonel signed off on everything that was done weeks ahead of time. There was no last minute. We're going to fake a set, but yet that made for such an incredible moment in the movie where you're like, he's sticking it to the man, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, firing him of on set never happened. It was Elvis basically ranting on some manager at the hotel. <laughs> uh, all these things made for better scenes in the movie because you had that villain. So yes, you could have done a paint by numbers, we're going to go through the dramatic events of Elvis's life that would have made for great film, but it wouldn't have fit a narrative that I think worked for this movie, which is Elvis versus the evil villain, who maybe wasn't that much of an evil villain in real life, but he was a perfect villain in this movie. But at the end of the day, it's got a plot. Whereas I was going to also compare, I know you haven't seen Rocket Man, but I recently rewatched that. It's still a great film. Um, it's it's different. It's a unique way of doing a biopic. It's a bit more fantasy-based and it's a bit more musical. But rewatching it, as enjoyable as it is, it has no plot. <laughs> it's like it's just Elton John becomes famous and he's a druggie and an alcoholic and he gets better at the end. So go, Elton, sing I'm Still Standing. Good for you. Um, I mean, it's a great <laughs> film. I really enjoyed Rocket Man and it surprises me that that didn't really get a lot of Oscar love. And Taron Edgerton is fantastic in that film, but it's got no plot, whereas this it's outlandish and fanciful and all that yeah. sort of stuff, but it's also a little bit more grounded. Whereas Rocket Man's yeah, much more fantasy based, I would say. But um, it's got Tate Donovan in it, Colin. Just saying. Um, yeah. See Rocket Man coming soon. But yeah, I think that you need that, and if you don't have that, I mean, yeah, the Priscilla stuff, sure falls in love with, it. and the, the things I learned from this movie, I thought him and Priscilla were like together till the day he died. I didn't realize that they had like broken up and all those sort of stuff. And it's actually kind of sad now knowing that Lisa Marie's actually sadly died. Of course we didn't do it. Mm -hmm. I don't think we mentioned anything about her yeah. last year um, <laughs> for once, but yeah, like I think you need that sort of villainous and like, I'm, I'm actually very surprised Tom Hanks didn't get nominated. Tom Hanks over Judd I'm Hirsch. I'm not. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I mean over Judd Hirsch. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, it's Tom oh, Hanks, who we talked about recently. He's like the, the male Meryl Streep. I mean, he always gets nominated. Like, he got the Razzie. And yes, I, I think even the original review I mentioned, like, I spent half this movie being like, is this the worst thing Tom Hanks has ever done? And then by the end of the movie, I'm like, is this the best thing Tom Hanks has ever but done? I just love him. It, it I could, he could, you have to. He can play a turd on the street and I'd still love him. You have to view it in the right context. I mean, it is it is very Tommy. He's playing Tommy Wiseau in this movie. Yeah. And another, another thing, again, we're taking an act. Why did they go against reality in presenting him this way. Cause like the Colonel, there's interviews of him. He did not have an accent, you know? <laughs> and if he had an it's accent, tough. it was very subtle. It was, it was not anything like this. Um, the, the things that they do in this movie with like, Oh, well it, it was all this evil scheme. Cause he didn't want to go overseas. I mean, Elvis did not tour with the Colonel that much. That did not matter that much in reality about why he wouldn't go overseas. 
Um, uh, one funny thing I found with the the colonel, I guess, the, let's do the colonel defense here. Um, not on everything, but on certain things. You know, the the whole thing about oh, how much money he took. In the long run, at the end of their their term, that was definitely way above industry standards. But I found out that like at the time when he started managing Elvis, those early days, everything I guess pre you know the the movie industry, he was actually below industry standard. Was that the managers took the majority of it? So he came in and said, "I'm taking a pay cut to manage you," and it was simply just Elvis never said or or they never came to an agreement where let's lower this to the industry standard. But at the same time. He kind of has a point. He did a whole lot more than most managers. I mean, this guy was managing a singer, an actor, a life. I mean, he basically dedicated his life to him. I'm not saying that did he deserve everything? Did he deserve to steal from him or whatever? He never actually stole. But did Elvis deserve more? Maybe yes or no. But like when this started, he basically said, I am going to sacrifice what most managers wouldn't because I believe in you. And Elvis was not the type of guy who was going to build this legacy on his own. You know, the, the Colonel did do some of that on his own. So that's just, I want to get some of the things I read, nothing to do with the movie. I'm not saying let's, let's portray the Colonel in a positive light. I love the fact they make him a villain. Uh, and I love the fact they give him this ridiculous accent almost as a way of telling the audience this we're presenting a larger than life character in a way that's not necessarily reality, but it's here for your enjoyment. Great Backstreet Boy song, Larger Than Life. They closed out the concert with it. It was fantastic. Um, you know, it's fine. I was going to interrupt you for a second. Jamie was talking about the Backstreet Boys, and I'm like, I, I don't like the Backstreet Boys. I like nothing. It's like, you got to like at least one song. I'm like, I like Larger Than Life, but I like Tim Allen's version in Joe Somebody better. Tim Allen doing karaoke of Larger Than Life is the ultimate version say, of that song can't ever. can't say I've seen it, but um, I will say, honest to God, hand on heart, Backstreet Boys is one of the best concerts I've ever seen. They were fantastic. I'm sorry. Like, for guys in their mid to late 40s, put on a fucking banger of a show. Um, better than The Killers. Just saying. And I love The Killers. And I know you don't like The Killers. But um, incredible show. I thoroughly recommend going to see The Backstreet Boys. Um, I completely lost what I was going to say. Oh, like yeah. I mean, look, I, I didn't do as much reading because I'm still learning to do that. But, like... <laughs> You know, like, I, I'm pretty sure I read Ram when I saw this movie, the whole, like, the bit in the movie where he's got, like, the I love and the I hate Elvis pins. Like, oh, that, yeah, was that was legit. Real. Like, merchandising. I mean, like, again, yeah. <laughs> keep bringing out the Backstreet Boys. But, like, you can buy your lunchbox with the Backstreet Boys. You can buy the Teen Heartthrob magazine and all those sort of things. And, I mean, again, I my music knowledge to the point of, did Bing Crosby have lunchboxes, all that sort of stuff? To me, it's that that period of the 50s and the 60s, the Beatles, the monkeys, like those sort of things. And you can have it. It reminds me of The Simpsons. It's like the monkeys. Marge has got the monkeys on the lunchbox. You That's not even his real hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a pilot one, wasn't it, right? Where it's like, don't look yeah, at me. Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, you know, the, the complete side note here, probably the hardest I uh, ever laughed at The Simpsons. Is like, uh, when he's saying goodbye to the therapist, like, Every time I hear the wind blow through the the, the <laughs> trees, I will hear Lowenstein, Lowenstein. But my name is Schwag. Lowenstein, Lowenstein. <laughs> oh, can we just like just after twenty four, like ten years time, just do like the first five seasons of The Simpsons or something like that? Like, oh yeah. Stop, stop. Although the one this week actually wasn't too bad. The new ones, if you still watch it. Point is, merchandising Colonel. I like Tom yeah. Hanks, and yeah, Tom Hanks deserved a nomination nominee yeah. nomination over Judd Hirsch. Come on. Yeah, oh, again, over Judd Hirsch, yes, but um, it, it's it's bizarre, but like it's bizarre in the right way. I mean, this over is... Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp got nominated. I mean, I, look, I'm not as oh, down yeah. on Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean as you clearly are, but I mean, I oh can no, see... I love him in the first Pirates. But like again, I I always like that's your sort of your benchmark for he got nominated yeah. for an Oscar for this. So like, I would argue this is a better performance by Tom Hanks and Johnny Depp, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
the, the Johnny Depp argument is like weirder things have been nominated and you know been taken seriously, which uh, the one. Yeah, that, it, but on a, on a tangent, sorry to interrupt, but like the one, like, and I love the movie, and I I, I love um, why have I gone completely blank on a name? Um, Bridesmaids. Um, oh, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, like I love Melissa McCarthy. Love that movie. Was that an Oscar-worthy nominated performance? Yeah, like, but like. But that those are the things that I kind of like, though, because even though I'm like, I saw Bridesmaids, I'm like, I'm going to admit, I don't fully get it, but I don't think I'm supposed to fully get it, you know? Uh, the same way that I don't expect Jamie to fully get, you know, certain guy humor and stuff like that. The Hangover, right. Um, I mean, I don't fully get The Hangover, but but like Drunk Airheads, shit. you know? <laughs> but but like Airheads is a perfect example. Brent, props to Brendan Fraser, Airheads could have been nominated. But I, I for years, I would tell Jamie that's the best movie. She went out and she bought it for herself and she watches it. I don't get it. Maybe it's a guy thing. And I'm like, maybe it is a guy thing. I don't know. But yeah, there's certain things that you don't get, but like it speaks to somebody and it, it, just acknowledging it is nice. Acknowledging Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean is nice because somebody could do something that just makes no sense, mm. but it is beyond fun. You know, Melissa McCarthy Bridesmaids makes no sense, but is beyond fun and you could do it. Tom Hanks, I don't know about for this movie, just because I don't think if Tom Hanks does, I don't want to say it, if, if if Tom Hanks were no longer with us one day, oh. um, I don't know whether I would want this to be his final nomination. You know, I mean, he did. I, I was shocked when we went through it yesterday and I'm like, he never got nominated for Captain Phillips. Like that might be one of his greatest performances. Mm. And he was never nominated for Captain Phillips. Was he nominated um, for Sully? He wasn't nominated for Sully either. He was nominated for Mr. Rogers. And I think that was the only one since Castaway. Yeah, we, we went over this. We did. Yes. Sully. Yeah. Bit overrated. It wasn't. He's. It best. was okay. I it mean, was fine. yeah. Between that and between his captain, Captain, Phillips, captain was Phillips was the best one, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Tom Hanks, though, his being so larger than life that it's ridiculous. It, if I think if you had seen the room, if you saw Tommy Wiseau, you'd realize what the point is of that character. Because I believe Baz Luhrmann said, I want you to think Tommy Wiseau because the absurdity of this is, is I'm all American, but he is the most un even the point where his accent is slipping. And there are people who are criticizing Tom Hanks because his accent slips. That's the point of the movie. Like that that's where I'll give him some defense here, but I don't think he deserved a Razzie nomination, but probably not an Oscar nomination. Who's he up against in oh. the Razzies? Oh, uh you looked that up. Not I'm a gonna, child. Uh, oh, don't dare nominate <laughs> a child. Fuck off. Anymore. Uh but but yeah, I mean he is here to be this over-the-top villain who is almost too evil to believe. And yes, there is some truth to what went on, but they they omit the good things. But it works with it. Like everything I keep saying, every time they take liberties with the real story, it somehow works for this movie. And I'm watching the scene where it is the most unrealistic thing you've ever viewed where they're doing the, the I want uh, him in a Santa Claus sweater, which again, he signed off on exactly what was produced weeks ahead of time. And I don't even believe was there in attendance. Um, but yet that scene where they're, they're doing this ridiculous over the top fake set, it just works because it builds to this drama and makes Elvis this heroic character that maybe he was in real life. And it hides some of the unheroic things. Like when they get into the fat Elvis days where he is drug addicted. And again, that was, the Colonel never got him hooked on drugs, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's funny, I saw this, uh, it, it, I wasn't even because we were preparing for this, but I saw this um, this story on Elvis's death where it was interviewing uh, the people who are surrounded. A lot of these other real characters, like, um, uh, what's his name? The um, uh, 007 guy. Um we gave him a fake name. What was his name? Oh, um, Jack Smiggins. Jack Smiggins. Yeah, like Jack Smiggins there. Uh, and all those other, his entourage, who was interviewing them. And they were basically saying like, Elvis at one point basically held a gun to us and said, give me my drugs. 
when they were trying to help him. I mean, the, the, the colonel or nobody had any part in that. But I was glad this movie didn't go into that too deep because, again, you want to end this on a high note. And I think that was my biggest problem with Bohemian Rhapsody is that Freddie Mercury was not a bad guy. But the movie, for the sake of building fake drama, presented him a way where he looked like a douche at times. So you finish the movie feeling like, I don't know how much I respect this guy. But then you read the real story and you're like, well, he didn't do anything wrong. But then the, the movie's presenting it like they want you to believe he's a hero. And it goes against their story. You know, the the Renee Zellweger one, Judy, you're like, you don't exactly come away from that feeling like you you love Judy Garland. The um, uh, Ray Charles one, you know, it, it's kind of the point of that movie. You're not supposed to come away from it feeling like you love Ray Charles. But we're kind of over and done with these. Let's look at the real dirty side of these celebrities. And Baz Luhrmann presents that to us, but keeps him as a hero by not going in too deep on bad Elvis. Elvis that broke up his family, his marriage, and ruined his life and held a gun to his own friends' heads and stuff like that. And with the Priscilla stuff being left out of the story and with the the, the dirty Elvis stuff later on, you're left with this final moment where he's singing that final song. Oh. And yes, he looks like a mess, but that performance there is incredible. And you get like a hero moment. And that's why this movie works because Elvis is a hero in this movie. And you kind of know it's only for the movie, but it works for this movie. God, that it is a movie that yeah makes you tear up a little bit. And the thing that I actually like at the end is that, spoiler alert, I mean, whatever, uh, the, the seamless transition where they go from Austin Butler to the real Elvis. And you kind of double take yeah. a little bit because... I think I admitted in our initial review, a little bit disappointed they didn't go full fat Elvis. I feel like fat Austin Butler Elvis isn't that fat. But like yeah. when they kind of transition to that shot with um, Unchained Melody at the end, it's wow. It's it's incredible. And there's actually, I think, uh, Instagram reel I saw where they'd, they'd put, um, there's like the montage in this movie where you see Elvis through his uh, movie career and they'd put it side by side with the real Elvis movies and really well done in terms of recreating them. They look, they look fantastic. Um, do you want to know the Razzies? Are you anything to add? Yeah. Yeah. Who's Tom, who's Tom Hanks competing against? So Tom Hanks is up for two Razzies. He's up for a uh, worst supporting actor, uh, where he's up against Evan Williams in blonde, Xavier Samuel in blonde, Mod son in good morning and Pete Davidson in good morning. And then he's also oh. up for worst actor in Pinocchio, where he's up against, Pete Davidson uh, is Marmaduke in Marmaduke, uh, Jared Leto in Morbius, Machine Gun Kelly in Good Morning, and Sylvester Stallone in Samaritan. Um, oh. I also do like Bryce Dallas Howard got a nom for Jurassic World Dominion. I look, I don't like Jurassic World Dominion, but well, Bryce Dallas Howard wasn't exactly... I think Chris Pratt deserved a nomination more than... Br the little girl yeah. oh, can't nominate children. Can't. She's a girl. Uh, I love how they've crossed out Ryan Kira Armstrong there. Um, but did we know that there was... A, I know there's the Enzo Ferrari movie coming out this year, but there was a movie on Lamborghini, on Ferriccio Lamborghini. Mira Savino was nominated for it. So there you go. She played the Lamborghini. She she was the door that raised up on the Lamborghini. <laughs> but uh, Jurassic World Dominion did get nominated for Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. And Tom Hanks yeah. also got nominated for his latex-laden face and ludicrous accent for Worst Screen <laughs> Combo. So Tom Hanks... Three oh, nominations. Oh, he's fallen off the cliff, isn't he, old Tommy? See, see, when you're nominating a latex face, that's when you know you shouldn't be taking it seriously if they nominate a child. It is done as humor. Fuck off, so Razzies. Like, you are the Razzies. Don't cave into this bullshit. Yeah. Like, you, can't, you are the Razzies. Like, that's like, the, the point. 
There's a reason Sylvester Stallone's nominated for Samaritan, and that's because they're like, we will nominate Sylvester Stallone and Madonna for any movie they make because they are our lifetime achievement ones. It is not because of the performance. Like, literally, Madonna could come out tomorrow and put in the performance. Even you would be, like, turned around by, like, her her Meryl Streep-esque performance, sweep all the awards, win it, and she would still get nominated for, like, worst screen couple, Madonna and her Oscar or something. uh, This isn't even a joke. This is my actual prediction. When the Madonna biopic comes out... Madonna will be nominated in categories she's not even eligible for. They're going to nominate Madonna for worst supporting actor for her own uh, biopic for simply saying, because well, Madonna w- w- did not appear in this film, we're nominating her for this film. Britney Spears famously won for Fahrenheit 9-11. She had a two-second interview <laughs> yeah. with it. I mean, look, I, I'm saying this right now on air. You can you can time stamp this and you can play this in five years' time when the film comes out. I know when the Madonna film comes out. It's going to probably be terrible. Everyone's going to hate it. It will get ripped a new one. And I will be the only one person on the planet that loves it. Because, again, she's directing her. It's the most Madonna thing ever. That's why I love her. She's me. Of course, if there's a Ben Waterworth <laughs> biopic, I'm going to direct it. Like, seriously. Madonna is just a queen because that's what she does. Like, I'm going to do my own <laughs> film myself. Um. So we're going to go through all the nominees. Well, this Are we going to buy this still? I'm buying this still. Oh, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm and buying we, it even more than I was originally. Do you yeah. want us to rank, um, do our rankings first? Before? Uh, yeah, let's rank it before we do that. But but we won't go through the individual nominations it has because we're going to cover that anyways as we're going through the rest of them. So um, this get, the, this get uh, one of the most, though, didn't it? Um, um it, No, eight. I don't think. Well, so, was so it as high? Yeah. For, uh, fourth most. Tied for fourth. Yeah. Or fourth I guess most. third was a tie. So it was fourth. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, uh, ranking. See, this is really tough because my top five isn't changing. My number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's my final number one. Top Gun Mavericks, easily my number two. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, easily my number three. And then I've got, um, uh, ooh, uh, what did I have number four? Uh, Banshees, number four. Uh, Women Talking, number five. Yes, Ben, Women Talking, number five. Fuck, uh, no. So it's my second half where this is kind of battling it out with the Fablemans because I think the Fablemans is. Uh, it, 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 both the movies to me, they're totally different movies, but they're very similar in the way that it's, it's how the story was told that's so impressive because it probably shouldn't have worked. Um, but I, I probably would give this the slight edge over the Fablemans just because I think it is technically a lot harder to pull off. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> put this Tinder number profile. six. Technically, technically a lot harder to pull off. <laughs> um, uh, but I, yeah, this will be my six. So then the Fablemans will be seven. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, 8, Tar, 9, and then Dead, Dead, Last, Way of Water. Um, Just quickly, the Honest Trailer, I don't know. I was going to send you the link I forgot to, but for the Honest Trailer, they do every year they do one for the Oscars and they put one out. And um, I think like the women talking bit, they're like, a movie that lives up to its name, (laughs) Um, which is kind of funny. Um, Yeah, wow. I loved this movie when it came out and I think I loved it even more. So um, I've done the very Ben Waterworth thing of having this at number two. Uh, So my top two are the most Hollywood blockbuster box office (laughs) friendly ones you can have. Uh, Top Gun, Maverick and Elvis are my top two. Uh, But look, I I don't know if I've talked it up enough in this. Like it just like uh, it's not to take away and I'll go through my rankings in a second. But like, again, if it's a Saturday night and I'm just like going to put I'm not going to I enjoy tar, but I'm not going to put on tar. I enjoy the Triangle of Sadness. I don't know. Again, if it's something I'm just going to put on a Saturday night, this, I can put on this at any time and just enjoy it. You know, I just, it's just enjoyable. And I, I think it's kind of fun. It goes, a two and a half hour movie, it goes by quickly. The soundtrack is great. It's flashy. It's bright. It's great. I, we need to do a Baz Luhrmann month. I mean, I know we're doing Australia. 
in like a month. And it was that that or Moulin Rouge. Leaves. I don't even think we have enough left for a full month after that. Moulin Rouge, Great Gatsby, Strictly Ballroom. Um, yeah, that's it. I think we'd have we'd have a, we'd have enough there. Um, have you seen Strictly, Ball, Strictly Ballroom? <laughs> You've seen it? No, Jamie has. But Jamie owns it. So. Iconic Australian film. Um, but yeah, um, so I've got Top Gun Maverick number one with a bullet, point blank, proud as punt. Tom Cruise, you beautiful, sexy man. <laughs> robbed, 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 robbed. Where's your Oscar nomination, Tom? I just, I just want to get you up here and lick you. Um, and you like that because you're gay. Um, Elvis two, uh, three, everything, everywhere, all at once. Four, the Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Five, Triangle of Sadness. Six, the Fableman. Seven, All Quiet on the Western Front. Eight, Tar. Nine, Avatar. Way of Water. And ten, way, 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 way down the bottom with a bullet. Women talking. I love it though that four out of our top five are exactly the same. We, yeah. we, I mean, we don't match the exact spots, but we have four films shared in our top five. Yeah, go us opinions. I wonder, I wonder what our average would be then. Uh, what is our average? Oh, I can't do fucking maths, Colin. I, I'm guessing uh, we, everything everywhere at once. I'm assuming would be. What's your number two? Top Gun. Well, top Gun. Oh, no, so top, top Gun would be number one. one. Yeah, uh, based on loose Bad math. Cheese. And Bad number two three, would be everything. Four. Yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Interesting. Yeah. Very Avatar interesting. Avatar would be last. Avatar and Tar are probably the bottom two. There. Avatar, um, Tar. We're, we're anti-Tar movies. Um, okay, so the rest ah. of the categories here, um, we're going to work. I, I've I've got one here that that's showing me the odds, but um, look, I've I'm, got I'm not... I've got Gold Derby open, but I'm not going to look at it, or maybe I will. I yeah. Don't know. I'm this. This is <laughs> Vegas Insider. I've already done my predictions before I looked at this, but. Uh, can we just add that, like, in all seriousness, props to Brandon Fraser, we're going to talk him up in a second because it's our last chance, that, like, in all seriousness, the odds of him winning are actually, like, oof. It's, I've, I've seen about five different expert websites predicting, mm-hmm. and on, like, three of them, they predicted Austin Butler. So yeah, there is a very real likelihood that this isn't going to happen. I'm just putting that out there. I, mean, I but don't want to, but I'm just saying. It's- let's also remember, every odds was a Chadwick Boseman who was winning a couple of years ago. Um, and... And, and for the record, I love, I love Chadwick Boseman, but he did not deserve to win for that movie over Anthony Hopkins. Um, but uh, I'm going to go backwards here in the order that Vegas Insider has. So film editing. Okay. Uh, I'm so- looking at Wikipedia. So I, I've got I've got my things written here so I can. I can. I, I think I won the first year. I think you won the second year because I think we only ever did this twice. I don't think we did it in the first yeah. year from memory. So I think we have one and so- one from memory. Editing, we got the Banshees of Ed Sheeran, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, everything I'm, Everywhere I'm All at Once. I'm going with it. Yeah, I think we're both going with Everything <laughs> Everywhere All at Once on this one. Uh, and that's actually what uh, the Vegas Insider has as uh, the favorite with Top Gun Maverick, not too far behind. I, I think Top Gun, close. But, I mean, the way everything is put together, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's that screams of that, this winning it. Absolutely. Yeah, like, there's... There's movies that are so much hinged on a performance, right? Um, the Whale, uh, Tar. Those are movies where if you take that performance out of it, nothing about the movie will work. And that's not yeah. to say that's the only thing that you, you get the the Jessica Chastain one last year. That the, the performance is the only thing in the movie that matters, and the rest of the movie's terrible. Uh, but this is like the movie is so much enhanced. It, it, it is the most important aspect of the movie. And to me, everything, everywhere, all at once, that's what the editing is, even over any of the performances. That is the star of this movie. And uh, it's it's unlike anything I've seen before. So it has to be the favorite. Yeah, um, Gold, Gold Derby, I'm saying it's a favorite. But like, I mean, you look at the other ones, it's up against, I mean, 
take everything everywhere all at once out of it. Yeah, Top Gun versus Elvis. I mean, Banshees and Tar seem way out of their league. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if one of them wins the Oscar over any of those other three films, I will get women talking tattooed on my hand. <laughs> Although I will say, I mean, Tar, sometimes you look at editing and you're like, if you could create kind of really eerie mood about yeah. the movie... And that's one thing I guess. Banshees, I don't quite understand it for editing. I mean, thing is, yes, is, I'm, yeah. And I guess it has like a very fast style. It's a movie that should be a lot slower paced than it is. And the humor is difficult to edit. So I'll give you that too. And um, I will say that the, if, sorry to interrupt again, but if, um, oh no, I'm looking at the wrong person. I was about to say if uh, Everything Everywhere wins, it will be a second Oscar, but I'm looking at Mikel E. Jill Nielsen. He won an Oscar for best editing for The Sound of Metal back in 2021. Yeah, wrong. Uh, and that one, that one was, I, I guess, a little bit flashier than some of these uh, other ones. But uh, uh, production design, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and the Fablemans. Um, Avatar sticks out like a sore thumb here. Like I don't know production design for a movie that's green screen. Uh, but uh, this one's tough because this is a category that it usually doesn't matter. You have categories where it's like, okay, they're not going to give this to something that wouldn't win Best Picture, but. I mean, Babylon's in here, and that was a pan film, and I think that that might be considered the front runner right now. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is being taken by Elvis. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the war movies generally do well in these sort of things too, don't they? In terms of just the yeah. the the sets and everything. Um, I'm going to go different. Uh, you say Elvis, I'm going to go with All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, I think you're probably right, but I need I need to go out there on a limb and 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 try to to win and i like to take risks so um yeah i think you're going to win this one but uh who knows maybe well yeah. i mean maybe not because i think babylon is considered the front runner for this which that was the margot robbie one right that kind of bombed yeah right. yeah from the guy who brought you first man and la la land oh god la -la -la -la. and once upon a time made a great film called whiplash and then flushed his career do i ever need to see la la land i've never seen it no don't bother <laughs> see whiplash like uh, th i really want to say that the director is like, this is the greatest example of somebody who had one of the greatest films ever made and then has never even come close to equaling it since then. Um, all right. So next up, we're going to do makeup and hairstyle, <laughs> our favorite category. Um, I, I think this one is, uh, well, there's Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, everything, everywhere. No, I'm looking at costume design. Never mind. Uh, all quiet in the Western. All the great makeup and hairstyling. In Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Uh, makeup and hairstyle. All quiet in the Western front. The Batman, Black Panther, Elvis, and the Whale. Ooh. This one should go to the Batman. That would be my choice for what it should go to. Ooh, um, the, wild, I mean, the Whale. Like. It is. It is incredible. But I mean, I I, I will say the Batman had probably. Oh, it, it, it's tough between the two. But I mean. I love what they do with Colin Farrell and the Batman, but this one, I, I read an interesting article that was basically saying whoever wins best actor, it, they will have also won. The movie will have also won in the makeup category. Cause they basically said it's Austin Butler versus Brendan Fraser. So it's going to be Elvis versus the whale. But uh, I'm thinking the whale's probably going to win this one. Cause I don't think Batman's going <sighs> to get the, the props it deserves. I just like, I mean, what's the, like, where would the makeup, I mean, hairstyling, I guess, uh, but just like it's so much better in the whale because of the transformation they put Brendan Fraser through versus Austin Butler kind of looks like Elvis anyway. He's a good looking guy. And that is, I mean, the little... Colonel's got a lot of makeup too. Yeah, but people don't like that, do they? They got a Razzie. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I yeah, I'll I'll, I'll play it safe and go the whale as well because I want Brendan to win. So we're both saying what whale. I'm seeing, yeah, what I'm seeing on Vegas Insider is it's almost neck and neck between the whale and Elvis, but they have the whale coming out on top. Same for yours. Yeah, I think the thing that gets that over the line for me is that yeah, you remember Tom Hanks as looking like that, but like I mean, there's so much more about Brendan Fraser you remember, not just because props to Brendan Fraser, but like I mean, like that scene when he's like having a shower and it like looks so realistic that he's that big. Mm. So yeah, no, uh, props to props to Brendan's man boobs, makeup and hair people. Um, uh, original song. Oh, this is a, this is a category. That's Gaga, gonna be tough to, Gaga, Gaga. Uh, well, well, I don't know anymore because she's pulled out of performing, which doesn't make sense. Oh. Cause she's going to be there. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, we have applause from tell it like a woman. That's another, been hearing that all over the radio. Well. Uh, hold my hand from Top Gun. Oh. Obviously, Lady Gaga. Lift me up from Black Panther. That's Rihanna. Oh, not, Colin, how you feeling about that? <laughs> I mean, she'll be there to perform it, but I'll be happy about that. But it's not my favorite. Pregnant. Song um, pregnant there. To so perform what's it. going yes. on, lady? Come on, Miss Gaga. She's fucking pregnant, and she's up on the stage singing about that. <laughs> exactly. You're, I'm going to sing the stage because I'm Lady Gaga. Fucking no get excuse. up there. Were you resting your is voice this, with the Joker? What are you doing? Is this your protest for not being nominated for that terrible uh, Gucci film last year? Um, not to, not to from RRR. Oh. Uh, and this is a life from everything, everywhere, all at once, which I, I've seen that movie multiple times and I still don't remember the song from it, but I think this is, yeah, th- this is tough. I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say that hold my hands going to win because I think Top Gun's unfortunately in a lot of categories where it's not going to win, but sometimes the, the Academy likes to say, oh, I can't give it in this category. I want to give it something for Top Gun. And I mean, this is such an important song because this song also, it 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 makes up so much of the score for this movie too. And I don't yeah. think you could find that at any of the other songs where they, they heard the song and said, we're going to write the score around it. And usually it happens the other way. Usually you'll have somebody who says, oh, we're going to incorporate this part of the score into the song. And this is the opposite. So uh, yeah, I'm going to, so even though I think that Black Panther, uh, actually, let me look at the odds right now. Um, no, they have RRR as the odds on favor right now. Pretty oh, much neck that's and neck an Indian with film, uh, right? Black Panther. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say this will be an underdog and that Top Gun's going to win. I thought I thought the Gargs was favorite. I thought she was shitting this in. Cause, um, no, I, I thought that Rihanna was favorite, but I mean, it's neck and neck between R and R and uh, Rihanna right I'm now. still actually very sad that the, uh, the I mean, not to give props to Avatar, but I mean, that weekend song I thought was a, a great song from yeah. um, from Avatar. Um, we'll say Top Gun has form in this category. Take My Breath Away did win the Oscar back in the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know... Um, I'm going with the Gargs as well. I, I just, I don't know. Like, it's not, to t- I, I, I've not heard Natu Natu from RRR. I'm sure it's great. And, you know, I don't know if a Bollywood song's ever, is it Bollywood? Is RRR classified as Bollywood? But um, an Indian film. So it's Indian action. Yeah. But, I mean, aren't films made in India, Bollywood, like Hollywood, Bollywood? I mean, that's their industry. But I think Bollywood also is like, it's all kind of genre. Musical. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, if that's disrespectful, I didn't mean it that way. It's an Indian film. But I don't know if an Indian film has ever won. That's what I'm trying to say. But, like, I think what we've seen in this category of late, you know, I think in the 2000s we kind of steered more towards, like, hard out there for a pimp and kind of all these other sort of ones. I know freaking Lose Yourself won, but I feel we've gotten those more pop-friendly kind of ones recently, whereas I don't think we used to get them for a while in the 2000s. So, obviously, you know, we've had a couple of Bond songs take this category, but... Shallow won it the other year. That was always on the radio for for the Gargs and and all that sort of stuff. So no, nah, bugger, it. go the Gargs. Great song, love it. 
Two-time Academy did, did, Award did, winner did. Lady Gaga. That sounds good. Now, see, see that actually, I'm not going to change my vote now, but that actually would lead me to believe she's not going to win. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, we'll go with it anyways. We'll be happy to be wrong on this one. Hold my uh, hand. Hold my hand. Hold my hand. Hold my hand. Hold my hand. I'll be there to <laughs> hold my Oh, I love that movie. Can we watch it right now? Let's do it. Uh, we're gonna, you know, if 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 Top Gun doesn't win anything, then we're going to karaoke it. Um, no, we're not. Uh, I will. Uh, Patreon only. Uh, pay us, and we will. Yeah, we'll eventually uh, get to those episodes again, won't we? <laughs> uh, companion category, original score. There's all quiet on the Western Front. Mm. Babylon, Banshees, everything, everywhere all at once, and the Fablemans. Uh, you know what? My first instinct was, Where's and which was my. Well, Batman should be in here. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, my first instinct was All Quiet on the Western Front because I told you I love the score for that movie and just how different it was for a war film. Um, but because I said that Babylon wasn't going to win the production design, uh, I'm going to go with it for this because I don't see them. It, it, I think this is considered one of the front runners. Uh, it's the same guy that did the music for La La Land and everybody seems to love his scores. But um I can't see them awarding two two awards to a critically panned film. I mean, they they did that with Bohemian Rhapsody before and got a lot of flack for it. So I think when it's going to come between these two, they're probably going to go with the safer bet and give Babylon the original score. So I'll, I'll predict Babylon on this one, although I would really pull for All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, look, I I wish I had paid more attention to the score on All Quiet on the Western Front because I don't really – I sort of remember the Fablemans in a way. Uh, your, your version was dubbed with Hold My Hand. And, <laughs> in German. <laughs> Just hold my hand, hold my hand, hold it, hold my hand. Um, German Top Gun. <laughs> I've got the need. That's all Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Um, I think there was like Irish music in the Banshees of Ed Sheeran, right? Potatoes. I'm interviewing an Irish Eurovision singer in like 12 hours, Ben. Be careful. And it's not you too. It's not Bono. Hello, Bono. How are you? Um, <laughs> any Irish singer has to be Bono. Uh, I'm going on all quiet on the Western Front then. I, I'm going to be different again. Okay. Uh, now we get to the costume design. Oh. The other makeup and hairstyle. What I look forward to every year. <laughs> uh, Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, everything, everyone all at once. And Mrs. Harris Elvis. goes to Paris. Elvis. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 gonna go against that one because I'm gonna say Black Panther. Um, oh, yeah. I and again, this comes down to how the Academy votes. I think that this was considered to be a runaway for uh, Angela Bassett, but now it's looking yeah. like it's tighter. And I feel like the Academy loves the Black Panther movies, and they're going to want to ensure it gets something. Uh, and plus, I think that, that to me at least, I appreciate you are creating something new more than you're recreating something much like I like my biopics. So um, yeah, I'm going to guess black Panther on this one. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be opposed to black Panther. It's got some great costumes in it, but no, I just think Elvis screams, Baz Luhrmann, you know, bright flashy sequins, fifties, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I'm going with that. And can I just say, I know we're jumping ahead, but like, I mean, what a category, whether it be Angela yeah. Bassett or Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, that's a happy win right there either way. Just saying. Um, my odds have this like as close to neck and neck as I've seen on any of these between Black Panther and Elvis. So what Ooh, do you have there? I have Elvis. You have it? Okay. 
Um, cinematography is next. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Bardo, False Chronicle of Handful oh, of Truths. I was going to watch that one tomorrow. Um, actually, I, I you know, I, I was about to laugh at this, but I'm shocked this one hasn't gotten more buzz. Uh, just looking at this, is directed by Alejandro Inarudo, who uh, has won uh, multiple, two. I think he won two back-to-back Academy Awards, or at least for two back-to-back films. So this is the guy who won for Birdman and The Revenant two years in a row. So how is this movie not getting more buzz? Um, yeah, go Bardo! Uh, great, great Australian, Bardo. Australian, Bardo. Australian pop band of the early 2000s, Bardo. <laughs> um, Bardo, yes. False Chronicle of a Handful of Truth. He really likes his long title. It's the biopic of Bardo. Of the... I didn't realize that it was, you know, <laughs> so good. Is it actually about Bardo? Oh, um, they were like, there was on a show called Pop Stars. That was kind of like the show just before the Idol phenomenon. So it was like oh, literally yeah, yeah. like, I think it's how like the spot when the Spice Girls formed like that in the early 90s, like they was just like a pop, you know, former girl band basically. So, yeah. Sophie Monkey, you know who Sophie Monkey is. She's been in a few American yeah. movies. Yeah, she was in that band. Um, also, Elvis, All Quiet, or Elvis, All Quiet, I already said it. Elvis, Empire of Light. That's oh. the uh, the Sam Mendes movie that I meant to watch that. I still want to watch it before the ceremony uh, in a few days. But uh, um, yeah, the, no, Olivia Colman's in it for that. <laughs> well, the cinematographer, Roger Deakins, he gets nominated for everything he makes. Uh, and then Tar. Um, I, I think this one's got to be All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, that's. I, I I can't imagine anything other than all climb the Western Front winning this one. Uh yeah, I'll go. Like I mean, yeah, let, let's go with it. I don't want to go different and all the time. I mean, what else can you really have? I I don't know Empire of Light and Bardo, um, and and Tar. I mean, was it that great? In the cinematography, not overly. All quite yeah, Western Front. Yeah, I think Front. so. Yeah, um, can we just we we got to have that one chant like with Bardo, 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 Bardo. 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 Um, yeah, so we're going with Bardo on this one. Uh, sound. Wait, hang on. Uh, are we? So, no, we're going with All Quiet on the Western Front, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, no I'm, t- I'm saying we're going, we're going to be rooting for that's All right, I've written it down here. Colin's in pen. We're predicting All Quiet on the Western Front. We're, we're secretly pulling for Bardo. Uh, sound. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's funny because I used to War always, always be like, windy, why do they have. Mean? Well, but. Actually, maybe not. But, but I used to always wonder why they had two categories for this. I'm like, they have sound and sound editing, and then they combined it to one. And now I'm like, why don't they have it as two categories? Because I kind of understand oh, yeah. the difference now. But uh, but yeah, but um, all quite on the Western Front. Avatar, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun. Ooh. Now you're right. War movies always win these, but at the same time, musicals always win mm. these too, like Chicago and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of torn on this one. Uh, I think that Top Gun's have been picking up a lot of the sound awards, but I'm actually going to predict uh, Elvis on this one. I'm going to go uh, out on the limb and say Elvis is taking it. Uh, like, I just want to go straight away, like, war movie. You know, it just, it just it screams it for me. But no, like, I mean, I, I'm i actually sad Top Gun didn't get nominated for score either, now that I think about it. Like, this is where it kind of sucks that everything everywhere all at once is kind of in some of these technical categories because otherwise I'd be rooting for Top Gun in like editing and things like that. But no, I'm going for sound for Top Gun because I think like it's the the jet sounds, the, the bullets and all that kind of stuff. Tom Cruise, just his sound of just being Tom. Hi, I'm Tom Cruise. That alone should win best sound. Uh, no, I'm going, I'm going for Top Gun. It's got to win something outside of the song. So uh, my Vegas insider has Top Gun as number one, followed by All Quiet on the Western Front. So your uh, predictions might be right. Uh, what does yours have? Uh, I think uh, I've got Top Gun, All Quiet, and Avatar third, Elvis fourth, Batman fifth. Oh, Batman should have been nominated for more. Uh, visual effects. It was nominated in this one. 
All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, Avatar. The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, and Top Gun. I really wish that they would give it to the Batman on this one or Top Gun. But yeah, it's going to be Avatar. Avatar will win this. Yep. It's See, and, and my personal preference is visual effects that hold up over time. And I think it's always impressive when you're like, wow, they've never done that before. And then you watch it 10 years later, like the first Avatar. You're like, wow, that doesn't hold up. What was the movie? I was watching a movie recently. Um, Me too. I, I oh, my God. Oh. Um, the the Peter Jackson King Kong movie for 2005. And I was watching that. I, I picked up the 4K copy of that. And I don't even like that movie, but it's like, it's King Kong. I love everything King Kong. But Jamie and I are watching it in 4K. We're like, wow, like this looks so much worse than even movies made in like the late 90s. It, it looks like Scorpion King bad when you watch it in 4K. And that's the problem when you have these CGI effects, their motion capture and avatar or whatever, where it's not going to age just because it looks good now. It's going to look good forever. And that's why I think the difference is for me between the Batman and, and Top Gun and Avatar is that I know that the Batman and Top Gun, the effects will hold up. Whereas well, I don't know that for Avatar, but it's it's going to be Avatar. It'll that's be Avatar. It's, I mean, it's just it's visual effects porn, right? But like, I, I don't know if you've... I th We've talked about this before, I know, but on the Wikipedia page for best visual effects, they actually have the shortlisted ones that didn't make the 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 final yeah. cut so the ones that were on the shortlist that didn't make the nominations this year dr strange multiverse of madness fantastic beasts and the secrets of dumbledore 13 lives nope and jurassic world dominion um the year before matrix resurrections made the shortlist <laughs> fuck off nope is a movie that i kind of wish had gotten some credit even uh, though of all jordan peele's movies that is the one that's just made to be fun. But this is the year we're going to I read an article today. It was like, um, you know, Nope was like the most robbed of g yeah. getting no nominations. Which, you know, in another year would seem crazy, but this is the year where we gave nominations to Top Gun and Avatar and everything everywhere all at once. And Black where's Panther the Nicolas Cage movie? Where's Pedro <laughs> Pascal and then Nicolas Cage? It is funny where the Nicolas Cage movie and Pedro Pascal is the one who got nominated. We, um, we still don't but, remember the name of that movie, that Nicolas Cage <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all in Nicolas Cage. Um, that's what it was, right? You, what was it? Uh, I saw an interview with him this week where he was kind of like, oh, no, I don't want Ghost Rider to be in the... Mar I don't want to be in the MCU because I'm Nicolas Cage or something like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> the Nicolas Cage CU is what we need. We just oh. need Nicolas... The Nicolas Cage multiverse. Woo! Can you imagine... We got a glimpse of that uh, unbearable weight of Nicolas Cage's ego, but uh, <laughs> but if we had a Nicolas Cage film oh. where it is a crossover, I don't even care if it's a short film, just do something and anything. We have Caster Troy slash whatever the other guy's name is uh, meeting the guy from The Rock, meeting Nicolas Cage from Adaptation, meeting Nicolas Cage from the the, the Dracula film that's coming. You know, so I'm so I'm so happy. Jamie told oh, me. Yeah, I've seen the that trailer for that. That looks weird. The, Nic the Nicolas Cage Dracula film is coming out for her birthday. He says, guess what we're doing for my birthday? We're seeing Nicolas Cage. I'm like, yes. No, there's a reason <laughs> I married that thing you. we usually do every year on your birthday. <laughs> exactly. She's not asking for sex. She's asking, Nicolas Cage, I'm in. <laughs> Get out of that cage and into another one. Despite all the rage, you're still just watching Nicolas Cage. Yes. Hey, the Smashing Pumpkins are in Sydney in a couple of months. I'm tempted to see them. Oh, are they? You know, we were talking about like you. You said you uh, saw your your concert or whatever. Uh, the the killers boys, and, and killers. I'm seeing Weird Al in a few days, and I'm also seeing Tiesto tomorrow night. So get on board. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I'm a I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan, and Peter Gabriel just announced his North American, which are probably his final tour. And I'm like, okay, I could go see him in Toronto, Quebec City, Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver, not Winnipeg. Do I Winnipeg? want to? 
He's not coming to Winnipeg. It's obviously based on travel because why else are you going to do Montreal, Quebec City, Ottawa, and Toronto? Why would you go to Ottawa? Yeah, and then he skips across country to Vancouver so he could do East Coast states uh, or West Coast states. But uh, I'm trying to talk Jamie into, like, could we maybe go to Toronto or Ottawa to see Peter Gabriel? And she said, oh, guess what? The Dixie Chicks are coming to Winnipeg. And I'm like, ugh. Uh, I might have to go. The Dixies. Oh, the the. The, are the, the the Dixies or the Chicks now? I don't oh, know. The Chicks. What are they? Oh, they're that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Dixies is they're, they're in, inappropriately women. sorry. <laughs> they're women. Um, but I'm like, oh, I may be obligated to go see no. the Dixie Chicks now. Uh, if if we've oh, seen Peter Gabriel, I might do it. But anyways. You better record uh, Sledgehammer for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my top 100. There's so many good ones. You're a smart man. I hope it made it high in your top 100. I think it did. Best, one of the best film clips of all time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Peter Gabriel's been nominated for an Oscar before. Maybe, maybe he'll get nominated again. Well, Phil Collins yeah. won an Oscar, didn't he? So he did. I wonder Genesis. if Peter Gabriel won. <laughs> Genesis equals Oscars. Uh, I'm going to find this out here. But uh, yeah, best director. Um, Peter Gabriel. We have Peter Gabriel <laughs> <laughs> for Sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this goes hand in hand with best picture. So, I mean, let's... I'm oh, not going to get. We're the, skipping already to director. We're going to the big ones straight uh, away. Under mine, it has director buried well, you, down. You need there, to look at Wikipedia, is... my friend. Like it's it's in order. Well, I'm, I'm looking. I'm I'm just going backwards here. Fine. We'll we'll save best director. <laughs> Documentary feature. Uh, How many? <laughs> let's Peter... get the boring categories. Sorry, just quickly on Peter Gabriel. Why has he released four different albums called Peter Gabriel? <laughs> There's well, okay. I actually have them all. They're all self-titled albums, but they take like a name from the cover. So one is Scratch because it shows him scratching. One is Car, it shows him with a car. I, I don't know. It was like a Beatles thing. The Beatles did that where they had the self-titled album, and they just called this one the White Album or whatever. He but, hasn't won an yeah, Oscar, but he has won an Australian uh, Actor Award for Ooh. Best Original Music as score. actor. Uh, for, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he scored Rabbit Proof Fence. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. He scored a lot of movies. He scored that um, huh. uh, the movie where Willem Dafoe played Jesus uh, back in the oh, 80s. Yeah. Uh, Rabbit Proof Fence, great movie. Uh, are we going to do that on Australian Month? I know we should. I, I think we had to study that in high school. Very. Um, I didn't realize it was well-known outside of Australia. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So, actually... Well, let's get the, the other ones out of the way first. So, documentary feature. Oh, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm... Actually, I'm no, sorry, I'm, documentary is short. I'm a documentary short fanboy. Well, with documentary feature, this is one year where I'm like, I don't think I know of any of these movies. And usually I actually know a couple of them and have seen a What's couple of them. What's the most woke one? I'll go with that one. All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Novel Me. Right, um, what are they about? I'm going to take a random guess and say... um. All the beauty in the bloodshed because it sounds beautiful and bloody. Hang on, we're about to documentary feature. Oh, how do I write that? All beauty and bloodshed. Can I just say, I'm just reading here that one of these won something about CNN. Um, I like CNN, um, but <laughs> I've got to say, I think CNN's jumped the shark. When I went to cnn.com, dot, uh, well, not .au, today, uh, one of the headlines what each American president would look like with a mullet. Um, <laughs> Say, I think CNN's jumped the shark. Um, okay, well, I won't cheat and look what each one's about. I'm going to go with Fire of Love. Sounds like a sexually transmitted disease, but we'll go with that. So I'm actually kind of glad that I randomly picked this one because um, it's about a photographer who documented LGBT oh, subcultures, the HIV AIDS crisis. Oh, you're going to win. 
No one cares about <laughs> volcanoes. They want to care about AIDS. Well, what's what's the odds? Uh, the odds on mine has Navalny number one and Fire Love number two. I'm all hey, the way in third on mine. volcanoes, volcanoes. <laughs> oh, fuck Mato, volcanoes. <laughs> uh, documentary short subject. Yeah. The, the Elephant Whispers haul out. Uh, how do you measure a year? The Martha Mitchell effect. <laughs> Stranger at the gate. Elephant Whispers. Uh, you're gonna go to elephant whispers, okay? Um, I, I want to make sure great. you don't. I don't want to make sure you don't pull ahead, so I'm gonna go with elephant whispers as well. Um, and looking at this right now, it is an Indian American short documentary, uh, and it is about an indigenous couple. Yes, who are entrusted with an orphan baby elephant. Yes, uh, indigenous yeah. movies always win. <laughs> always, come on, never fails. Well, it's 2023. I mean, like back in the day, they didn't. People were racist back then. We're not anymore. So go indigenous <laughs> movies. Yes. Uh, animated feature. Um, oh, this one Pinocchio we actually one. can get it. Yeah, that's. Do well, <laughs> we read, read the rest of the nominations? Oh, I know Del Toro. His name's we attached know, to it. We know he's winning. You got a Mexican director's got to win something every single year. The good Pinocchio. Um, Apparently, there was three different Pinocchio movies last year. They didn't want to trailer for it. So yeah, yeah, there was a lot of them. Um, yeah, what are the other nominations? I've lost my place here. Um, I, I, I know lost that, my that place. The Puss first Boots was nominated. Oh yeah, Shrek spinoff. Oh, there's also Marcel the Shell with the shoes on, which Jamie and I saw that trailer so many times. Never heard uh, of it. during all the summer movies. It, it, it looked interesting, but um, oh, the uh, sea Puss in Boots, the the Sea Beast, uh, and Turning Red. Turning Red was the the Canadian. Um, I mean, it's a, band? it's a Pixar oh, movie, simply but, red. Uh, yeah, I think this was the one uh, that was uh, took place in Canada. It was from a Canadian Pixar director. It, it involved. Girl getting her period that was controversial or something. Oh. <laughs> Puss in Boots has a lot of momentum. I mean, it's not going to go to anything other than Pinocchio, but like, I, I'm shocked that this movie is getting as much buzz as it is. It's a Shrek movie, Colin. Come on. Yeah, but like, this you is the Shrek it? movie where I did see it. I saw most. I was mostly making sure my kid didn't run out of the theater, which he did a couple of times. That'd be a fun story. Um, I, I did get a review of Casper Rainbow included on Patreon of Puss in Boots. It was. Not very focused. Can we, can we but, just uh, talk about the fact that Shrek 2 never won the Oscar back in 2004, that The Incredibles beat Shrek? Shrek 2 is a masterpiece. I know the original Shrek it? one, but like, have you seen Shrek 2? The only two, the only two ones I ever saw was the first and second. I, I mostly remember the first. I remember almost nothing about I the second. I think I saw the third one once. I had Justin Timberlake and it. it was fine. I, I'd never seen the fourth one, but the first two are like, I mean, yeah, Shrek, the original, beat Monsters, Inc. and Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. What a movie that was. But I'm sorry, The Incredibles, but, a bit overrated. No. Uh, well, I'm, I was going to say The Incredibles is kind of like, th- that's the one that everybody says is like the greatest Pixar animated no, movie. No. I don't agree with that. I-, I love The Incredibles, but I mean, I, I would take Finding Nemo over it any day. Yeah, um, me too. Even some of the more recent ones. like the, the, over it. Well, the, there's two that uh, my kids really like. Uh, they love Luca, which came out, which is the, the the good version of Avatar The Way of Water, and then Soul. I mean, I even think there's some recent ones that are better. I haven't seen, honestly, like the, the most recent one I saw was Toy Story 4. I love the Pixar movies. I'd love, that'd be a good fun month to do is Pixar month. But um, yeah. like, I I think Wall-E was a bit overrated. Oh, I um, love Wall-E. Rat, I've never seen Ratatouille, uh, Rakakuni. That's good. Um, but uh, no, uh, I, I'm a I'm a I mean a Toy Story one and two fanboy. Uh, I love Finding Nemo. I love Monsters Inc. Bugs Life. Bugs Life always gets forgotten. Uh, I'm a Cars fan because Michael Schumacher. Cars, yeah. But I mean, why does a Bugs Life get? I mean, Ants is a superior film. Let's be honest. But a Bugs Life was still a good movie. Yeah, I preferred Ants. Uh, you know, uh, th- that's a category that uh, my kids would be listening to our podcast for. But uh, <laughs> no. 
I choke on that at prospect really too. Listeners, what does that mean? It's funny because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what would my kids include in Pixar month? And uh, Luca, the new one, would definitely be one of them. They're obsessed with Luca. Cars would be one of them. I mean, all my kids are obsessed with Cars. Finding Nemo might be Casper's favorite movie of all time. I mean, I, I, I think there's there's movies that he may watch more than that now, but that's the one movie he will always go back to. Uh, but Up would be the other one. I, and Up is kind of a weird movie that a lot of people, that was, I think, the, the first one to get nominated for Best Picture. I can't remember if that was before or after Toy Story 3, but... Um, Four, I think. That's a movie that uh, it often gets criticized now because like the first 15 minutes of it is so incredible that everything else after that is like, oh, it's it's kind of a fun adventure story. But uh, yeah, Up 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 really holds up. Up holds up. Up was the um, year before Toy Story 3. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, this is my odds here have Pinocchio way far ahead of everything else with uh, Puss in Boots and Marcel the Seashell uh, closely behind that. But uh, or I guess close tied for second, but nowhere near Pinocchio. So it's going to be Pinocchio. Uh, mm. Right. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. That's that, that and uh, international feature are the two that I would bet my house on and editing and visual effects are the four that I would bet my house on. I don't have a house, but if I did, <laughs> I'd bet it on those four. Uh, animated short. Um, oh, this there's is a only... dick one, isn't it? It, it is. It's a dick one. Oh, there. There's so many good ones in this one. I want to choose them all. My year of dicks and ostrich told me the world is fake and I think yeah. I believe it. The boy, the mole, the fox and the horse, the flying sailor and ice merchants. Colin. Yeah, this is um this this is this is the dark horse category. Uh dicks oh would be personal favorite, but uh actually I'm going to go with the only one that I know I actually have an opportunity to watch, which is the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse cuz that one I noticed was on Apple TV. Uh, when my kids were watching anything other than the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. So I may convince them to watch this, and then we can get them to review it for Patreon after it wins the Oscar. I, I, I so want to go for the dicks. I love the dicks, <laughs> and I want to just be all about the dicks, get all the dicks up in me. But I've got to go for an ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it because it's an Australian one I can see here. So, And it's the best name ever outside of my year of dicks. This is a category that I think we just need to watch all of them because they sound fantastic. But I'm going for ostrich. <laughs> It's not hard. Like, I, I actually like that they'll do released in theaters. You can watch all of the actual live action shorts and all the animated shorts in one sitting. Um, it's not playing here, but it's it's an opportunity to get some of these movies out that are usually made fun of as, a, oh, that's the category that uh, nobody really knows. Um, documentaries, we've done those. What else we see? Now you made me lose my live place. Live action shorts. Live action shorts. Uh, that great category. Irish Goodbye, um, Avalu, Le Pupil, Night Ride, and The Red Suitcase. The Red Suitcase. Wow. I've been waiting for a film about The Red Suitcase. Hey, I'm um, on board with Night Ride. I'm just seeing here a Norwegian short film. That's enough for me. Night Ride's winning. I'm going to go with Suitcase. <laughs> I want my Red Suitcase. Uh, <laughs> now I got to see what it's about. The Red Suitcase. A uh, 16 year old Muslim girl with a talent Ooh. for art arrives in oh, Luxembourg Airport from Iran. Yes. Bloody hell. <laughs> what, what do the odds have? What do your odds have on as the favorite uh, here? What are we on? <laughs> Document. Live action short. A oh, live action short. I've already lost the, uh, the thing The thing here. Uh, apparently, this does not exist on my list. Live action short. Not on my either. Irish Goodbye, apparently, is a favorite. Oh, okay. And Le Pupil. Is second. Le Le is that, didn't he get cancelled, Pepper Le Pew? Or, uh, international feature. We know it's winning that one, right? All quiet on the Western Front. 
All Quiet on the Western Front. I actually do want to go through these because one of the other movies I've watched in the last 24 hours since we last recorded is Argentina 1985, which is a great movie. In fact, I if if I had had my choice, if I were making my personal top 10, I might even rank that slightly higher than All Quiet on the Western Front. It was an amazing movie. But yeah, this, it has to be All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh. <laughs> it's the only one nominated for Best Picture. I just want to say, I want to say EO. It's about a life Yo. of a donkey born in a Polish circus. Oh, Get on board EO or the quiet we've girl. Got, but then again, we've already been pulling for the elephant whispers. So is it going to be another Great. animal? No. The quiet girl about a little girl in Ireland. How exciting. Close. Oh, that's the one that's, yeah, that's, it's partly in English. Yeah. Close. Um, two jump. teenage boys who are gay. It's Tom Cruise's oh, biopic. Um, and yeah. What's Argentina 1985 about, Colin? Is it about Argentina in 1985? Well, I mean, it's it's a true story, I guess, about uh, a, a courtroom drama, trials. Um, in Argentina in 1985? Uh, like corruption and stuff like that. Yes, it was in 85. It starts okay. in 83, though, but it moves oh, up Oh, false advertising. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that was a difficult one to watch because I talked about how, you know, I don't like the dub versions. And even Amazon, it's a film on uh, Prime Video. And even Amazon has defaulted to dubbed versions. So oh, I switched the subtitles. My but- favorite. The the subtitles are, are uh, the are sorry the switch to the the you know, original language, but then the subtitles were out of sync with the audio, so I had to switch the subtitles again to a different English. So you make it too complicated to watch proper films. Everybody dumbed down like Ben nowadays. So. Yeah. Uh, what's our next category, Ben? Adapted screenplay, Colin. It's woman talking. Uh, but but no, one of the other nominees first, but I'm saying it's one. All talk. Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion and Eyes Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Yeah, um, Women Talking. No, because that movie better not win any awards. <laughs> um, I am going to go. Uh, I don't. What is Living? That's the Bill oh, Nye. The Bill one. Nye Actually, one. another one I've watched in the last 24 hours. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. It, but it's based on a movie. I didn't even realize it was based on a. Japanese movie from the 50s, Akiru, which I started watching this movie and I'm like, this reminds me of Akiru a lot. And then I realized, oh, that's because it's based on Akiru. But Akiru, way, way better than Living. Uh, no, I just can't do it. I'm sorry, women we talking. Fuck it, Top Gun. Uh- <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, that's one time I would be very happy. Now, I, I know women talking, it is the Canadian. This will be the Canadian win. It's Sarah Pauly winning and she's been nominated before. But like, if Top Gun wins this, that will be more... It might be more exciting for me this winning adaptive screenplay than if Brendan Fraser wins Best Actor. Like that would be the craziest thing ever. I mean, again, how many people are winning this? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Do, so it says here, based on the film Top Gun. So did Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. also get an Oscar because it was based? Like, do the original yeah, people get no, an Oscar? I don't think. I don't think they do. No, I think it's just they have to give the credit. Which, I mean, that's where it gets complicated in the adapted and original categories because you always have movies in the original categories where it's like. It's based on, a, like, The Fablemans. It's based on a true story, you know, but uh, it's an, an original screenplay. Mm. And then you get adapted screenplay where Top Gun is a 100% original screenplay. It's just it happening based on a first film. It's it's kind of a weird one. Tell and, you one. And Glass Onion. Come on, it's like, Ryan it's Johnson based is on, not winning an Oscar. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, but, but it's so bizarre that this could be nominated because this is the most loosely adapted screenplay Cause it's not even like Top Gun where it's like, Oh, we are making a sequel to it. 
this movie has nothing to do with the first one other than one character. So how does that end up as adapted? I don't understand. It's it's weird rules that complicate so things, if, but at least it gets some competition. If a Bond movie got nominated for a screenplay, it's going to get in the adapted because it's based yeah. on Ian even Fleming's if it's James Bond. no way. Yeah, even if it's no time to die. Well, no way to die. Were you about to call? No it? way to die. <laughs> uh, best original screenplay, Colin. Uh, so there's a Banshees, there's Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. Everything Everywhere um, All at Once. Yeah, I... I oh. I'd love Triangle of Sadness to win, though. Or Banshees. Honestly, any of these movies I'd be happy with, so I'm just going to go with Everything go Everywhere to, All at Once. I'm going to go out... I think Everything Everywhere All at Once probably would be the front runner. I'm, I'll look at my odds in a second, but I'm going to guess Banshees on this one. Ooh. Um, and Everything Everywhere All at Once is the front runner, followed closely by Banshees. All right, we're into the big suckers now. Get into it. Big suckers. Big uh, uh, best supporting. supporting actress. Oh, what a category! Oh, everyone this, this is may be good the in most, this category. Yeah, this could be the most stacked category of any of them this year. So, Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie oh. Condon for Banshees, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and then Stephanie Zhu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh. This is like really a lot closer than it should i think it should have been or uh anybody expected it would have been um oh sorry i just need i need to that screaming woman in elvis like i just i mean yeah <laughs> like did the top two I thought you want to nominate it, the screaming woman in elvis but i mean like, I'd well, that. Uh, she's hot um like the the two front runners here just get me so excited i mean angela bassett or jamie lee curtis as oscar winners like i mean Either the Academy's racist yeah. or the Academy doesn't like old short-haired women. <laughs> but See, I, I, I like both. I I was very, I, I wouldn't say against in a negative way, but I was not all for Jamie Lee Curtis when I first saw Everything Everywhere All at Once. I thought, oh, she's going to get so much attention for this because she's Jamie Lee Curtis, but I don't know how impressive she is. And then the second time I watched that movie, I was just blown away by her. Um, I think my personal favorite is Carrie Condon in this category, but I'm gonna say Angela Bassett's still taking this. I'm going. I was gonna literally go for whatever the opposite of what you said is. So, um, <laughs> like, like I, uh, I just watched the latest episode of Nine One One and Angela Bassett in such a, you know, the show that is Nine One. Kind of say side tangent. I think it was EW or somebody this week ranked like the top ten Ryan Murphy shows. Very impressed they put Nip Tuck number four. I thought Nip Tuck just gets forgotten about now, but I'm very happy with that. They put. 911 at two? Like, I love the what? show. It's fun. But, I mean, Ryan Murphy's got like 400 was, other shows that are better than 911. Was 911 Lone Star number one? <laughs> uh, that wasn't in the top 10. Uh, but, like, no, number one was American Crime Story, rightfully so. But, like, Glee was like eight or something like that. I know Glee's kind of got more of a tarnished reputation the more the years go on. But popular, uh, one I've always talked about was quite high. I was glad about that. But... I can't remember what number three was, but like, yeah, oh my mind, great show, but number two, get off it. I just go. discovered this was a thing like a few days ago. Um, the Watcher, the yeah, new one, Naomi I've got Watts, it, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, and um, Jennifer Cooley. It's on my stick to watch. I, I There's a few yeah, of his that I haven't caught up on. Like, I know there's that Hollywood one I haven't watched. Uh, I know there was another season of The Politician, which is a great show, The Politician. If you've never watched that, that's a fun, it's kind of like Screen, Screen Queens made the top 10. Um, oh, good. Yeah, but uh, anyway, um, so you're going, Ange, and I'm going with Jamie. Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. I already know tie. best I want it to be a tie. Let, let's read through the consolation prizes for Brendan Gleeson and Banshees, Brian Tyree, Henry and Causeway, yeah, Judd Hirsch and the Fableman, Barry K- K- Kogan for Banshees. Kiyu Kwan is 
probably the biggest lock. I, it's it's so crazy that when this movie came out, he like I said, he was not the one being talked about. People were like, oh, he's really good, but all the attention was on everybody else. And I, I actually have been reading multiple of these like prediction things, and almost all of them say he is the biggest lock of any category this year. Two of the acting uh, ones. All the acting ones are kind of up in the air now, whereas this one, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. I've seen things that are saying he's more of a lock than everything everyone wants for best picture, and I'm like, I'm so happy because he is so good. Uh, this is like my personal favorite, and I think the one that's most likely to win. And can um, we just call or, him KHQ? Like, they just he needs to be one of these cool people that just KHQ. has like. You know, thing. But I like one thing I'll say though. Like, uh, the Oscars are great. We love the Oscars, and it's always you know generally most of the time you know who's going to win the big ones, right? It's always generally. But like I, we've talked so much about in the last ten days about how this is so open. I love coming into three of the four acting categories with probably two front runners in each of the categories. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like it's, it's not one of these ones where it's just, okay, they're going to win it, you know, whatever. But like this one, like legitimately you're going to be, I'm going to be nervous on like three of these four. So, yeah. Um, I think that actress will do, well, let's do actor. Cause we know, no, do actor uh, last. Fine, we'll do actor last. We'll do it just like the Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> it's our last opportunity to talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Come on. That'll be our very final thing. We'll predict best picture before yeah, that. Yeah, we yes. will. Uh, uh, actress. Uh, <laughs> is that Andrea Rise Bros on the line? That's her exact yeah, Which That's one of the movies I've seen in the last 24 hours. Now, uh, I've but, heard uh, there's a bit of controversy around her getting nominated. Yeah, well, I think we briefly talked about that. So uh, we'll go through the nominees here. Kate Blanchett, Tar, Anna Darmas, Blonde, Andrea Riseborough, to Leslie, Michelle Williams, Fable, Min and Michelle, Yo, and Michelle and Michelle, everything, everyone all at once. So Michelle Multiverse <laughs> is crossing over into the Academy ceremonies. Uh, yeah, so Andrea Riseborough, so this was, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it uh, or how much I mentioned. Basically, there's certain rules uh, as far as like campaigning for Oscars. It all has to be done through the media. It has to be done very officially. It has to be paid advertisements and things like that. You can't campaign directly to Academy members. And the director, the producer, and Andrea herself had, I guess, done a lot of calling up people, just friends of theirs. Some were members of the Academy, some were not. So that's where they kind of plead ignorance. I don't know who's a member of the Academy. And said, I want you to not watch Will our Smith. movie. I want, you, <laughs> I, I want you to tell people you know to watch our movie. Uh, and they basically got uh, this, in any other industry, it would be considered like this, oh, this, this, uh, admirable uh, from the ground up buzz going about this movie that resulted in the one, what they consider one of the most shock nominations ever because the movie was on anybody's radar. But then we're like, well, there was a lot of campaigning that goes against the rules, one of which actually includes one of the few advertisers because they didn't have budget to advertise to campaign for a nomination for her. One of them included like a print ad that basically said uh, for your consideration and it included a review that said, uh, Andrea Riseborough is better than Kate Blanchett and Tar, which you're not allowed to directly go against other people who could be nominated. It's all these weird rules. Like it's one of these things where it's like it's admirable they got the buzz out there, but it did break rules. And if other movies couldn't break rules before, having said that, watching the movie, she is incredible in this movie. Um, it, it might be. I'm not going to say it's my favorite, uh, but it might be one of the best performances of any category this year. Uh, but they couldn't give her the award. She's out, I think out of the running. I actually going to look at the odds here because I think she's got to be out of the running just based on the controversy. Uh, no, she's currently placed above Michelle Williams and Anna Darmus. Anna Darmus is out of the running. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting story. I, I admire that this guy, this might get them to kind of relook at 
their rules going forward as to what you're allowed to do because social media doesn't really play a part now, whereas you should, probably should have some some type of exceptions or rules against that. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I thought I'd watched the YouTube video, but I think maybe you talked about it. Clearly, I listened to you when you talk on this podcast. Literally looking at my odds for these the three categories, like how close and how far away they are ahead of the, the next three. I mean, Best Supporting Actor, Kihu Kwan is so far ahead of Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actress. It is. They've actually got Carrie Condon in second. Jamie Lee Curtis in third. Oh, nice. Uh, so that one's actually a little bit closer on that one. But you look at the best actor. Just the the, the discrepancy between Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser, and then Colin Farrell, and then the discrepancy in this one between Michelle Yeoh, Kate Blanchett, and they've got Michelle Williams third on mine. But um, yeah, I look. Uh, I mean, I I, I kind of want to see Blonde. I want. I just want to see Anna Armas. I'm just happy Anna Armas is nominated. I don't care what she's nominated it's, for. It's Anna Armas. So, yeah, it's it's one of these things where it's like, oh, uh, if they nominated for any other movie, like I just I fear that she will never get nominated again, and that will be the movie she's nominated for because this is the movie that famously Netflix broke records for the amount of people who failed to finish watching it because it was that bad. Like it was like only 40% of the people who started watching last at the end. And this has been nominated for like so many Razzies and, and even right. her, like, I think this is a, this is an example of you do a great per- impression of somebody, but there is, it's not her fault. The movie is bad. The script is bad. The character is bad. There's nothing to like about it. Um, yeah. I would, I would not be happy if she won. Well, I would because it's Anna Armas. We've got two Bond girls in this category. I'll watch it one day and I'll probably love it. Um, yeah, look, yeah, it's, it's Michelle Yeoh or Kate Blanchett. Uh, I'm going to go for whatever. You want me you, to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go with whatever you don't go for. Okay, because I've been, up until today, I have been 100% set on, this is going to be Michelle Yeoh. But I won't get my reasons why, but I'm going to change that around and say it's going to be Kate Blanchett now. I'm going to go with Kate. All right, and look, I'm coming around on her. I, I like we went over that sort of how many, very few people on this planet have ever won three uh, Oscars, and it would be a proud thing for an Australian to have three Oscars for acting. So I should say for acting. Obviously, people have won multiple. I'm not Sam Smith here, Ben. Um, but no, I'm going to go for Michelle. The other right. woman is going to win an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Tot, Mrs. Ferrari, former boss of Formula One is going to be an Academy Award winner. Well, who would you be more excited for, her or our next guy we'll get to after? No, we know the answer. To that, don't answer. It'll be the next guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, my reason for picking Kate Blanchett is, uh, for one, I think a lot of these other acting categories will come down to what the audience's favorite is. I'm not saying anything against Kate Blanchett, but Tar has not been seen by enough people for her to be, yeah. oh, we're really pulling for her, and because she's won before. I think two things. One, the fact that she will be winning a third Oscar, which is groundbreaking. You kind of want it to be for the right movie. You don't want to Mr. Confident will be winning. Well, well, no, I'm saying if she's going to win, it will be for the right movie. It's not going to be for, I don't know, like Jessica Chastain last year. I would be for Jessica Chastain winning in any movie except for the one she won for last year. Uh, whereas Kate Blanchett, I mean, this is an incredible performance. And then because you know Kihi Kwan is going to be a favorite of, that's going to, get people talking it's going to get people happy angela bassett will get people happy oh. jamie lee curtis would get people happy uh brendan or Austin butler will get people happy i'm not saying kate blanchett's not going to get people happy but you're going to have the one we're going to give this for the critics too so that's my rationalization for it which i hate to say because i know I, I love kate blanchett even in this movie but if michelle yo wins i mean that will be one of the greatest moments in academy award history oh we just have to do a tomorrow never dies redux 
Yeah. Pierce Brosnan <laughs> made that woman. Just saying right now, if she gets up on stage and she wins, I want her to be like, I want to thank the Academy. I want to thank this. <laughs> I want to thank that. And to Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> he doesn't need to win an Oscar. He just needs to be thanked. I just, I just want uh, that. And then when Pierce, like, next lockdown, he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do a Tomorrow Never Dies uh, commentary. He's going to be silent for like five minutes and he's just going to go, Michelle Yo. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say the opposite. It's like, and who is that woman who thanked me when she won an Academy Award? Shirley Bassey. <laughs> Terry Hatcher. <laughs> uh best director. We got uh Martin McDonough for Banshees, Daniel and Daniel for Everything Everywhere All At Once, Steven Spielberg for Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. It's a stacked category, but I'm predicting the Daniels win for everything everywhere all at once. <sighs> I agree with you. But I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that Mr. Spielberg is going to get his second best director Oscar. I like, I just, I don't know. Like, I just, I want to be a bit different to you. I think you're right. I think it will. But um, also you've kind of gone on this notion about the whole winning the double, the best director and the best picture. And maybe that will give away what I think will win best picture. But and look, I'll be honest. You with think you, it's going to be a split then? I think it'll be a split. And I, I would be very happy to see Mr. Spielberg get his second Oscar. And I think a lot of people would be as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, here's the thing. I don't like we're going to award this person because of this person. And that's where a lot of Spielberg's nominations in the last several years have come from. Oh, but he's Steven Spielberg. I mean, he deserves to win another Oscar. I, You're not awarding the Lifetime Achievement Award here. You know, you're awarding for one film. And is his work in this one film... Good enough to win Best Director? No. But is it finally worthy of a nomination, whereas all of his other ones weren't? Yes. So if you're going to award, if you're going to split it, I mean, I would be just as happy with him as I would Todd Field or Martin or Ruben in this. Uh, So if it's going to be split, I'm kind of indifferent. And at least this is a movie Spielberg made that he deserves to be nominated for for a change. And I'll correct myself. It'll be 31 for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. And also uh, Best Picture. So he's won three Oscars, two for directing, one for producing. But you see, this is where, as a Spielberg fan, and, and I don't have to love all of his movies to be a fan. I mean, Once Upon a Time fan, I, I still root for him. I still will see a movie because Spielberg made it. Uh, I want, if he's going to win a third Oscar... I don't just want it to be for, oh, this is his best film he's made in 20 years. I want it to be for, oh, this is a movie that is in the same league as Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. And I don't think The Fablemans is. That's that's as a personal preference. Well, but, any man yeah. who directs the greatest movie of all time can get nominated for filming Colin scratching ben, his dick, and I'd still be see, happy. See, Ben just Ben just wants to prove that somebody who makes a vanity project can win an Oscar because then he knows there's hope if he ever does he the ben, goes full Jurassic vanity project. He, if he had have directed Women Talking, I would be like, get on board <laughs> it. He could have directed freaking. Zardoz and I would like he because he, he he did Jurassic Park he can do no wrong you know what, what makes me sad though is that uh the two movies the last two great movies everybody always says Spielberg hasn't really made a great movie since 2002 where he made Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can in oh, the same year good movies if he had won for Minority Report or Catch Me If You Can I would have been like yeah go Spielberg I didn't think I he liked Catch Me If You Can Oh, I love Cash Me If You Can. Yeah, I, um, didn't. I, I would prefer Minority Report over Cash Me If You Can, oh, but still, great movie. Cash Me If You Can, amazing um, movie. Minority Report, Tom Cruise, okay? Not the... Didn't Colin Farrell do a Minority Report movie as yeah, well? Yeah, Colin Farrell and... Well, they were both in it. There was both of them. Oh, no, what was a remake? Wasn't there a remake of Minority Report? Who was in the remake? There was a TV series. Oh, the TV series, okay. Yeah. 
still not a bad TV series, just not as good. But Minority Report, Colin Farrell and Tom Cruise, one movie. Oh, God, that's two big penis men right there. (laughs) Uh, Best Picture, All Quiet in the Western Western Front, (laughs) Avatar The Way of Water, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere at Once, Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talk. I love that we've spent the last 10 days going through all the Best Picture nominations. Yeah, that one. (laughs) <laughs> Not even do it last, uh, but that's that's props to Brendan. Come uh, on, yeah. So the, you you've basically predicted you're splitting it. So I'm guessing you're going with everything yeah. or all. Look, I just think it's, which it's, I uh, look. Sorry to interrupt again, but like it's just. I mean, even looking at the odds on gold, it's shitting it in in terms of like literally. Yeah. It, so the the gold derby ranker, they've got the odds, but then they do top choice. So everything ever all at once has 6,973 top choices. That's a mixture of critics and sort of all that sort of stuff. The next one, Banshees of Inner Sheeran, 304. It has a 6,300 lead, 6,600 lead over the next one. So that to me is an obvious one. But like to me, I thought All Quiet on the Western Front was the biggest well, one that was closest to this, not Banshees. But hey, fuck, has Banshees it, upset yeah. it, I wouldn't be disappointed. Look, on Vegas Insider, they do theirs as like, you know, positive and negative here. Uh, for the director, it's a lot closer. They they do have the Daniels taking that one uh, at like a minus 1800 versus Spielberg at a plus 850. But for best picture, they have everything everywhere at once at a minus 750. And the next closest is all quiet at a plus 1100. Yeah. Uh, now, Triangle of Sadness, Avatar, The Way of Water and Women Talking are at a plus 10,000. So that just shows you how far out of it they are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the bottom three in those. Um, look, I know my number one I put was Top Gun. If I mean, I would be as happy as dog shit if Top Gun won this, and it's not going to win it. But I, yeah. I look, I honestly think a lot of people would also be very happy if Top Gun won it. But I just think that like this has just gone far and above the favorite now in the last few weeks. And yeah. I, look, it was my number three in my list. And yeah, we should probably talk about this a little bit longer because we did spend the last 10 days doing this. But I think that, yeah, as I talked about in our review, like I, I loved it, I hated it, everything about it, just like so many different things. Everything but, everywhere. But it is just, if you look at these films, it is the most unique, it is the most memorable. You called it like the most unique original film you've ever seen and I think like that deserves to be awarded. I mean, all these other films, with the exception of Women Talking uh, and Avatar, you know, it's fine, uh, are great films. But I think, and this might be the first time I've done these that I can say that, that like eight of the 10, I think are great films, but this is the most unique and you remember this out of all of them. So I think that is enough for it to win. And uh, I think it will be a deserving winner. And that's my prediction. You know, on the, on the topic of Elvis, which we started this doing um, Elvis was basically the first artist to kind of bridge the gap. He took what people were already doing, but he made it mainstream. He was, you know, a crossover. He blended styles of country and blues and rock and everything into one. And there's been lots of the people in music and, and even in movies that have done that. George Lucas did that by, you know, bridging the gap between, you know, science fiction sand. and fantasy and Western and even and sand. Yeah. Uh, everything everywhere all at once is maybe the greatest crossover film. It is for people who just like intelligent you know, uh, visually stunning, innovative storytelling films, Oscar uh, type films, you know, these really clever outside the box groundbreaking movies. It's the perfect movie for them. For people who just like fun entertainment, it's the perfect movie for them. It actually reaches both sides. The people who just want fun entertainment and people who want intelligent and thought provoking 
it reaches both those audiences. To me, this is the type of movie that could change how awards are awarded in the future for the Oscars. And I think like, like, yeah, that's a great point because like, you know, like if Top Gun was to win it, it would be like this Hollywood blockbuster, every film that wins it. I mean, look, I've been away the last couple of years in terms of not really, I haven't seen the last two years worth of Oscars. The last time I saw the best picture winner was Parasite. And prior to that, like what was the most Hollywood friendly? Like, you know, so a lot of people look at the Oscars and go, well, I'm never going to see the best picture film, right? Like, Green Book, you'd maybe argue. Shape of Water probably maybe were sort of Hollywood-friendly type ones that people could just kind of pick I'd up. I'd go further back and say Chicago, <laughs> as far as like something that like it was just as much for you know crowd-pleasing as it was for, you know. But I think those other Slumdog movies are like ones that... Yeah, maybe Slumdog Millionaire, yeah. I reckon Slumdog Millionaire was a bit up there. But, you know, like I, I would say that. But, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like... If, if you're one of these people who are like, oh, the Oscars, like, I'm never going to watch Moonlight. You know, I'm never going to watch Parasite. But, like, yeah. I think you can pick up Green Book in the Shape of Water and it's pretty stock standard. It's not, like, arty-farty yeah. completely. I mean, Green Book, controversial winner. Good film. But, you know, Shape of Water, it's a woman fucking a fish. But whatever. <laughs> people, it's a Tasmanian thing recently. Google it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think everything, everywhere, it's a great point you make with that because this is a film that I think every person on the street could pick up and watch it and you know it's fucked up in places and it's weird but then also like yeah hoity-toity oh i like moonlight i don't know why i'm picking on moonlight um i've never seen it i'm sure it's good it won the oscar not la la land um, <laughs> but um yeah you great point colin well done you win the episode thank you uh, no, we don't who wins the episode. <laughs> who wins the episode is the man who it's all about the props. Who props hang on, hang on. Did you predict everything everyone wants? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. predicted it. Yeah. All right. Uh, actor. Oh. So this is the big one. Austin Butler for Elvis. Oh. Colin Farrell for Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Paul Mescal for After Sun. And Bill Nighy for Living. Did I miss anybody in there? Uh, no. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. What do we uh, do? Oh. I mean, I'm... I'm picking him. I'm just saying it now. I'm picking him, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, conf- I'm confident in picking him, too. Uh, does Austin Butler need this for his first film? Like, this this will come down to... I'm not saying it's right or wrong, because, like I said, I don't like the idea of let's award this franchise because, you know, we loved all the films that came before it, award this director because of his body of work, uh, award this person because we like the celebrity they did an impression of. But this is a case where I think a lot of it will come down to we really want to give this boost to a guy who's put in so many decades worth of hard work and taken so much abuse versus Austin Butler, who came out with really a breakthrough role with this incredible performance, but maybe he'll have a shot down the road. Was he in I, June kind part of two, fence. apparently? Yeah, well, but I, here's the thing. I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know whether Austin Butler is going to be one of these guys who maybe washes out and never you know, gets his success. Is he going to be a Marissa Tomei, somebody who wins an Oscar at a very young age and then isn't taken seriously and has kind of made a joke and then manages to come back? Maybe. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we don't really know. I'm not confident this guy's going to be the next big star. I'm confident he was incredible in Elvis. But I think that Brendan Fraser is a guy that people criticize for so long and now they're realizing, well, we really shouldn't have. He was really good. And now he has this performance that just you could t- strip everything else away and still be confident this performance could win if it was any other actor performing it. But it is Brendan Fraser, and he is like the man of the hour. I did tell that story before about how I remember when Crash won the Oscar, and again, we're the defenders of Crash. I saw a lot of videos this week bagging out Crash's win still. Um, but 
I remember getting excited for the fact that Brendan Fraser was in an Academy Award winning film. Like I remember, that was back in 2005. Yeah. I was like, wow, Brendan Fraser's in an Academy. Even Sandra Bullock back then. These are like two people now who could we would literally could be talking about. Sandra Bullock, Brendan Fraser, both Academy Award winners. And back Candy then- Newton. Matt yeah. Dillon got nominated for that movie. Did a he? lot of people who shouldn't be in it. Yeah. Was um Terrence Howard? Seen that movie? Oh, yeah, well? uh, yeah, Terrence Howard. Yeah. He yeah. played uh 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 there was the, the famous death scene. Yeah. Yeah. I need to rewatch it again. I know I've said that plenty of times, but I just remember watching the film. Like, I love this film. Anyway, um it just it feel like him like, I think it was the Elvis episode when we were looking at the Austin Butler odds where we discovered that Brendan Fraser was in the conversation. And there are there are just some actors and actresses that you just love and that them winning would make you so happy. Like Natalie Portman for obvious reasons for me. I remember back when Eddie Murphy was nominated, I was following that. Like you just, there are certain years you follow closer than you usually do because you were so rooting for an actor or an actress. Yeah. I was so disappointed when Eddie Murphy didn't win that year. I, I was so mad. Glenn Close, recent examples obviously as well. But then you look at, again, not popular to say this, less than 12 months on, but Will Smith winning was right up there. You know, I'm a I'm a bit of a Leo fan, so I was I was one of those people who was like, "Yay, Leo, good good for you." And there are just some people that just kind of bridge those excitement levels of that, and just Brendan Fraser is up there. Like, I I think it'd be between him and like Kevin Bacon and like Tobey Maguire, just like people who Kevin Bacon never nominated for an Oscar, by the way, absolute fucking travesty. He always makes those top ten actors never to be nominated for an Oscar list. Like, but anyway, Jeff Goldblum, people like that who would like, get nominated and I would just die inside a happy man. But Brendan Fraser, holy fuck. Like, this is just, I like, we have never planned to do like a live reaction. So we're just going to be live, but like, I'll be working. I'm, I'm obviously in Australia. The Oscars for us are like Monday lunchtime. That's generally when they're on. So like, I think this will get nominated, uh, you know, announced about two o'clock in the afternoon while I'm at work. I will be watching this and I don't care if they want to put on whatever they want. I'm like, fuck off. Brendan Fraser's getting like you, whatever. And I'm going to run out of that building and I'm going to get on. You have to record it because I'll be at work and (laughs) (laughs) just something. And if he doesn't, I'll probably cry. Uh, (laughs) And if he does, I will cry because this man was nearly an old network guest. We made him a thing. He's now (laughs) too big to appear on this show because of us, literally because he's fat and whale. But like, it just, oh, Colin. We're days away. We gave him a month before anybody wanted to even talk about it. We gave him a month because he was still a joke. Was he our first month? Renee Russo was our first act, like individual. I think we did. Yeah, we might have done Renee first, but uh, yeah. But there's another one. She'll be nominated next year, thanks to us. Uh, They come in waves. Uh, That's what we need to do. We just need it. You want Kevin Bacon to get nominated? Let's just do Kevin Bacon. Why haven't we done Kevin Bacon month? (laughs) Where's Jeff I mean, Goldblum? I'm, I'm, Jim, I'm Ke- Jim for a... Carrey would be the one I think that I would most oh, die yeah. a little bit. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I was thinking about who what's one of those actors and I was thinking for me like Woody Harrelson. But the funny thing is Woody Harrelson was nominated like in the 90s. But when he got nominated again for I think it was The Messenger uh, like uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago almost, that was like, oh, Woody Harrelson's back. People are taking him seriously. And I mean, it hasn't gone away. And I, I that's I think the one thing that I, I said about Austin Butler if Austin Butler wins this, where's his career going to go? Does he get another shot or is he just going to become another generic actor? I would think Mickey Rourke. Brett, this is Brendan Fraser is the new Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke didn't win for The Wrestler and his career didn't really go anywhere after The Wrestler, even though that should have been a revival. Whereas Woody Harrelson, you know, didn't win for The Messenger and then Woody Harrelson became this massive success again. And I don't think it really comes down to whether you win or lose. I think that what it comes down to is just Brendan Fraser has already made that type of an impact, whether he wins or loses. They're like his career is gonna go like 
way bigger than it ever was before. I'm convinced we're going to get another mummy movie. Oh, with we him. Will. We're going to, we're also going to get more whale like performances from him. Um, so I'm happy. Willy way, but, <laughs> the, the whale tomb of the dragon, uh, um, obesity. I don't know. I, I've not, I've not seen the Tom Cruise one. And I know you said it's not as bad you know as what? people say, but like, where's the crossover? Uh, Tom Cruise and Brendan Fraser. Woof. I, I'm I'm pitching this right now. We 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 do this thing. We did it last year. We're doing it this year with uh, another film series. We pick a film series and we just do it because we never got on. Next year's got to be the Mummy. I thought next year we were doing the, um, Rush Hour. Well, but here's the thing: the Mummy. It's the 25th anniversary of the Mummy next year. We mm-hmm. could do all three Brendan Fraser movies, and we could do the Tom Cruise one. Maybe we fit that and Rush Hour in. But I've uh, never I've uh, never seen the third or fourth mummies kind of say Tom Cruise would be on that list too surely of people if he had won an Oscar you'd be a bit like oh oh if he wins yeah I, I remember even like and I was young at the time but when he got nominated for Jerry Maguire mm. like I'm just like oh this is the guy from Top Gun and Mission Impossible like I'm so excited and even then Pierce that was Brosnan. thrilling for me and Pierce, oh, Pierce Brosnan would be the ultimate yeah that made top Brendan um, imagine if yeah. one year the I think we've, we've discussed this before but like best actor next year is, is, is Tom Cruise Pierce Brosnan Kevin Bacon, Jim Carrey, and Jeff Goldblum. I, d- I just don't know what I would do. I just... See, and for me, I would put Sean Bean as one of the guys. And if Sean Bean gets supporting, an Oscar nomination... Supporting oh, actor. Yeah, supporting death. Kiefer yes. Sutherland? <laughs> Kiefer. Oh. If Kiefer still. got nominated against Pierce Brosnan, there would be no way to pick. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh- <laughs> oh. That guy, if he got nominated for an Oscar, everybody on this planet would root for him. You know, that would be Jamie's big one. Because, like, Jamie, Jamie just told me the other day, oh, Keanu, that would be even bigger for Jamie. Yeah, Keanu would be one of the top ones. But Jamie just the other day was like, so I just got an email from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, what, you get emails from the guy? And it's a newsletter, but, like, she she loves Arnold so much, she views it as, yeah, he sent me this email. And me, I was like, hello, Jamie. I'm so happy that you're reading my newsletter. I, just, I, I want to talk to you about all my new projects. I just like this secret little thing in the background. Jamie just got, oh, who are you talking to? Oh, just Arnie. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> We're buddies. Um, Anyways, wow. we should probably wrap this up now. Um, oh. Yeah, it's Brendan for both of us. We're picking up. Oh. How, so how many are we matching on for our predictions? Sorry, I'm just taking a moment. We're living in a world right now. It's our last episode. I guess we're doing a 24 episode that will get released on the day. But this is our last episode that we could be living in a pre-Oscar winner Brendan Fraser world. Wow. Just, just soak that and in, Colin. Again, we've always said it. Our mood oh. on the next episode we record, which will be... 24. We'll, uh, we'll be recording that before the announcement, so it will be the ex- one oh, yeah, yeah. after that. So Which might still be a 24 episode. Oh. So if you just hear us sounding really upset on a 24 episode, you're going to know <laughs> when it was recorded. Fucking 20. I'm glad, actually, we're recording <laughs> the next episode before, because the next episode is a brilliant episode of 24. So oh, yeah. Be, yeah. Um, how many are we matching on? One, two. So we're matching on Best Picture, Best Director. So you count these. Uh, we're matching on Best Supporting Actor. Wait, we didn't match on Best Director, though. No, because I went Spielberg. The picture. Um, animated feature we're matching. International feature. Um, this is great podcasting. Uh, origi- A bunch. Original song. Um, cinematography, makeup, and film editing and visual effects. So that's like what? So half of them? Half of them. Yeah. So the other half is where it's going to... If you're playing along at home, you could also be rooting for me or Ben, which we know you're probably rooting, rooting for me. For me? <laughs> Exactly. I'm not even rooting for me. <laughs> Paul Mescal is rooting Colin, for me. Colin, 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 <laughs> gay Colin. Um, 
Anyways, uh, we're what? How many days away? Three days away now from Academy Awards. Saturday, Sunday, but three, yeah, two, three days. Yep, yeah, we'll go with that. Watch along with us. Uh, enjoy Brendan's Day in the Sun. Uh, before then, we might actually have some reviews because, uh, as you could probably tell throughout the course of this episode, I've lost the ability to breathe and speak. Uh, <laughs> if I'm well enough, I want to record. Uh, it'll be a solo review, but Creed three. Uh, which I'm dying to talk about with myself because I saw it by myself. Uh, and as well, speaking of another guy that I uh, already mentioned, Woody Harrelson, who was robbed of a nomination this year, his new movie, Champions, a.k.a. The Mighty Ducks 4, uh, <laughs> is coming oh, out. Amelia West and is I'm nominated. hoping to see it. Sorry. Oh, Emilio. Uh, Emilio! Emilio! <laughs> yeah, if he gets nominated, they need to get Will Ferrell and Chris Catan to read out. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so... Maybe a solo review of Creed, and maybe a review of me and Jamie. Of Shazam, it's uh, like a week away, isn't it? Shazam is really close, and then John Wick after that, then Dungeons and Dragons. I'm probably not going to see anything except for Shazam. Although I'm so tempted to see Cocaine Bear and sixty nine or sixty five Adam Driver fights dinosaurs. Kylo Ren yeah. versus the T Rex. That's what that should be called. <laughs> That's all I want to see. Come on. Maybe one of those. Um, yeah, but stay tuned for the Oscars and for the very last time. Uh, I may not be the last person to say it, but for the very last time, I'll get to say it. My name is Colin and props to Brendan Fraser. My name is Ben and props to Brendan Fraser. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.